Welcome back, Martini Giant fans, to this episode number 103, which is Mulholland Drive from 2001, directed, of course, by Mr. David Lynch and starring Naomi Watch, Laura Hiring, and Justin Thoreau. It is a very special episode, probably one of my favorite episodes, because of something pretty special. As you know, the theme of the podcast is movies that you never got around to watching, and now you don't have to because we'll just tell you everything about it. Uh, but uh, I had never actually seen this film myself. To me, this movie was actually my first experience. So I never got around to watching this film, and I, I didn't even tell the guys that until, the, until later. And they were like, what? you never seen, seen this film? So to them, it was super exciting. And because this is a David Lynch film, and they literally stopped watching it 20 minutes before the show started, uh, it was still processing what the hell was going on in this film. It's very complicated. Uh, and then I sort of was able to get through that with the guys over the course of the, of the podcast. And it wasn't until the end that I started to realize everything that had happened. I processed it. It took me days to process it after, uh, as I was going through it. I became very emotional, but it was such a great experience and it made this podcast super special. So very glad I was able to do that. So it was really, really cool. Uh, okay, a couple of uh, quick announcements. As you guys know, we do our podcasts on uh, Twitch uh, as, uh, as well. Uh, we stream them there, so uh, the, that's where you can get the live recordings and participate in part of the conversation. So that's twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. Twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And we usually do those at Saturday at 3 p.m., um, and that's probably what we're going to do this, this Saturday. We haven't picked the film yet, but I'm guessing it's going to be October Halloween-y horror type thing. At least that's what I'm going to try to convince the guys today. Uh, but you can go check it out. <clears throat> Just follow us on our Discord and you'll know more uh, or our, our social media channels and find out more uh, what the film is going to be. Uh, but again, we'd love to see you this Saturday. Uh, also, we did start a Patreon, uh, which is a great place if you want to support us. Patreon actually pays out much better than Twitch does uh, in terms of su uh, support and subscriptions. So if you'd like to support us on Patreon, we would love to have your support there. Patreon.com slash Martini Giant. Just a small, uh, small monthly donation would go a long ways for us, and we really appreciate that. And if you do do that, we can get you access to our Discord. Yes, here's a QR code here for our Discord. Go check it out. It's on the YouTube. You can, uh, if you're looking at the YouTube, you'll see the QR code up here. Uh, go ahead and check that out and go to our Discord. Uh, and uh, if, you, if you are a subscriber on Patreon or on Twitch, uh, we will give you access to the subscription-only section of our Discord, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but <clears throat> you can just go into Discord and they'll have to be a subscriber to do it as well. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of great conversations going on there. All right, that's enough for the announcements. Let's get right to it. Mulholland Drive, 2001, directed by David Lynch. Enjoy. So for those of you who are going to us on the stream, which I don't think is anybody, uh, they, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we don't normally record at this time, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, uh, it, it's kind of unusual. But... For those of you who are listening on the podcast, <laughs> this is your normal podcast schedule. The reason we're doing it at a different time is because I'm going to be gone for two different Saturdays. And uh, so, oh, McMonkey Man is here. Hey, <laughs> hey employed, nice. Guys. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yes. All right. Yay. Nice. I didn't think we would get even him, but I'm, I'm awesome. very pleased that he's uh, <laughs> shut That's so fantastic. McMonkey Man joins us. Awesome. So, uh, so the more, if you're listening to this podcast, you're getting it on your normal podcast schedule but since i'll be gone for two saturdays 
uh, our Twitch will be down for two Saturdays. So uh, sorry about that. So I decided to squeeze an extra podcast in. We decided at the last minute, what should we do it on? And we sort of went on good movies that are around the 2000s. Is that what we said? I yeah, I think that was the goal. Right? And so we picked Mulholland Drive, uh, which I think I suggested. One of us suggested. Mm-hmm. And here's a secret. Can I hear a secret? Yeah, go for it. I hadn't seen it until today. What? <laughs> oh, my God. I've been wanting to see it for a long time. Oh, that's my why, God. That's why it's like, oh, shit, what? I can't get to see this movie. Because it's, you know, it's the movie you never got around to seeing. Right? That's that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's a surprise. Crazy. It's really crazy. a surprise. I know. I know. You guys would be surprised. But, uh Boy, there's a lot to entangle this movie, but of course there is. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you, and I'm so excited to hear. Uh, I haven't heard a first reaction to Mulholland Drive, and I, I can't even tell you how long. It's like, I don't know, 2001. I was more than likely. So, I mean, I think you guys all, all I've said this story before about, about, about Lynch, but um, I, seek, I hated wild at heart when it first came out i was mm. like so dumb and i didn't <laughs> like the acting style i didn't right. like the directing style i didn't like a bunch of things i was like so tired of the stupid uh, uh, uh wizard of Oz references that were going in there mm-hmm. and uh and then so finally like i listened to it and I, I finally started falling in love with it but i didn't fall in love with it until after Mulholland Drive came out. So I didn't really have a huge interest in Mulholland Drive for some reason. I was like, it's right. just, it, although I do like, I did like Dune and I liked other thing that Lynch had done, mm-hmm. but I was like, eh, it just looks like wild at heart. Right. And then now I, then after that, I was like, I should really, because I really started to like wild at heart a lot. And then now I, I feel like, um, I need to, yes, I've seen Lost Highway, but, uh, but now I feel like I like, I was going to get around to seeing Mulholland Drive, and I never got around to doing it, which is right. kind of the theme of this podcast. Like, oh, you know, yeah, I'd never seen Mulholland Drive, but now, you know, we'll tell you all about it. Don't worry about it. Just- That's so exciting. I can't even tell you. Yeah, I, I went to go see Mulholland Drive when it first came out. I was, um, <laughs> let's see, when did that, hang on, let me get the dates on this thing correct. Since it's also fresh, obviously, it's hard for me to digest all the shit that goes on in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're going to have to help me unpack some of that as well. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> you bet. Uh, okay, Mulholland Drive, Drive release date. That's what I want to know. It was ma- made it's in 99. It was made in 99. It came out in 2001. Uh, yeah, check this out, dude. This is okay. Why did it take so long to release? It was supposed to be a TV movie. Oh, they wanted to make a miniseries out of it, like a yep. Twin Peaks type thing. Right? And it got canceled before they even was shown. Like the studio was like, fuck this stupid David Lynch stuff. And, uh, and they canned it. And then, um, uh, Lynch took it on the road, got uh, funding from uh, Studio Canal, and, uh, and to shoot the back half of it. Essentially, like he shot the first half for seven th- seven million, and yeah. the back half for seven million. Wow. Uh, and uh, for a fourteen million dollar picture, this is a absolutely legendary one. <laughs> this yeah. is uh, this is a, quite a monster. But yeah, so I I saw this. Um, it uh, I was I saw. <laughs> I was in uh, New York on Manhattan on 9-11, which is a story in itself. But uh, I had, was helping a friend shoot a movie there, um, and I stayed, to, uh, I stayed to help him do that. And after 
after 9-11. It was, it was, it was came out in uh, early October, middle October. And uh, uh, he and I saw it at the Angelica in New York. And I'm sure, uh, uh, Eric, you're familiar with the Angelica? It's down the street from me, dude. I yeah. saw every great, yeah, I saw a lot of films. I saw that at the, uh, with uh, my friend Ben uh, uh, at the Late Late Show um, at the Angelica. And it's, well, it was probably the first movie I went to go see post 9-11. And I was already in an extremely weird state of mind uh, from, from events. Uh, and then that thing totally uh, blew, just blew my mind. Yeah, right. Absolutely, absolutely wild, wild bit of business. So that's the frame, like, sort of from the get-go, Mulholland Drive has been of my very favorite David Lynch films. And I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, but it's uh, it is a big one. It's a big one. It's a big, it's a big one, and it's got a lot of stuff. It's, now, here's the thing. Newsman, by the way, joined us as well. So we do uh, have an audience. I really did not expect to have anyone join us. I was just going to, but uh, I'm excited. Okay, so here's it has a bit of. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie at sure. all. But I have a pet peeve about movies about the film industry. <laughs> movies about movies. Yes. Right. Movies about movies sometimes are too meta or too too inside baseball to mm -hmm. really be, you know, so they're only appreciated by people who make movies, which is kind of like, I like a good movie that's more universal, can be more universally seen, right? So sure. because a lot of times you see movies like this and you say, oh, you know, I don't get it, right? Because there's a lot of reference to movie in, to the movie industry in here for obvious mm -hmm. reasons. Yeah. Also, things within things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a lot of things within things in here. Lots of things within things. I think that's David Lynch's calling card: things within things. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, it's very good. I will yeah. tell you that I was super glad I saw it, and I need help with the ending. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it all? What's it all mean? It's all mean. But uh, but I have I wrote down. I I, I sort of powered through. Like I'd love to see Chris's notes. Like replay scene of women <laughs> <laughs> giant lesbian now, makeout yeah replay that scene to get let's to see the that's, core that's, of that. now what was she what saying it, there when what she does that scene mean yes exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. let's what, go over that again that is a uh that is actually that that particular i think that's a beautiful scene and it it's is actually a scene. it is a really core scene to like it's a tr it is that is a tragic scene to me i guess we'll get there as to why but I just want to put a pin on that one. That is a beautiful and tragic scene. I love it. Yeah, it's incredible. it's incredible. Well, it's it's a scene that is also very male male gaze. It is very male gaze. There's a there's a it meta. It's very beautiful. It's there's very a meta <laughs> aspect to it for sure. That's sort of audience critical, right? There's actually an interesting thing is that when Lynch uh, released it on DVD, I think this is still true. Uh, that is an un. Uh, Un, unslow downable scene. You cannot still frame or slow that scene down on your DVR. That's uh, funny. He's just, he's just like you're not. Gonna, I'm not putting this in there so you can so you can jerk off. <laughs> like oh, this. This is a this is a film, and this oh. uh, we have to be respectful to the actors. I believe the technology exists in streaming, but that is still possible. To yeah. So it's uh, that's he was like yeah, I think that he was very. I think he is. He like Lynch is one of the actual great directors of actors. He just directs them to do really bizarre things. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the movie that of almost everything outside of like the elephant man and straight story, this is his most directly emotional experience. Indeed. Yep. Indeed. So, so uh, give us your overall, like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to lead the my overall this feeling. This. Yeah. What, what, the, um, what, what did you feel about? What did you think it meant? What, what was your favorite stuff? So because of how I sort of, you know, I have come to understand Lynch better. Honestly, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I matured enough to understand it, which mm-hmm. is ironic because less his, directing, his directing style and the, and the other stuff feels very old-fashioned in some ways. There's a oh, lot yeah. of old-fashionedness to his, the way he mm-hmm. looks at things, right? And the way they talk is old-fashioned and they reference it. So it's not as, you know, real style as some of the other movies are or whatever. Definitely not real style, right? Mm-hmm. And the lighting is very much of that period as well. It's very harsh lighting and stuff. Yep. Uh, but it was kind of, it's kind of awesome to see it to like, imagine this is a new David Lynch film, but it was actually done 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it felt it. So it felt kind of fresh to, to, to have that experience. It's like, so I think to me, what was special about it was it, it felt like, you know, uh, a, 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 a piece of cake that you've saved for 20 years and you know it's sitting there and you can get to eat it. And so there was something special about it that way that I, I was very appreciative that I, that I had that experience. So sure. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, uh, well, but, it's interesting in that like most people like uh, when there are, when there are big movies that people haven't seen, like if you know, I know people that haven't seen what 2001 and stuff like that, but as you, as did you, you see, pointed, by the way, did you see for our listeners, so we uh, play a game called Framed uh, on the internet, which is uh, basically like Wordle. But what they do is they show you a oh, single frame. Podcast, sorry. Uh, they show you a, a single frame of a movie, and then you have to guess the movie, and then they show you a next frame and a next frame, and you're sort of supposed to show it. And one of them was 2001 that came out a right. few days ago. And it started off with... Uh, I believe it was the sunset, right? It was like a sunset picture. Yeah, it's and it's just like it's a really dark frame with a kind of a purple smear of sunset. Okay. And, that's and it. so, so I and so I immediately knew it was two thousand one because I know that's that a hard one. I got it in one. You got it in one, but I yeah. everyone else I think got it. In, but the uh, second one was a bone in the air, and they're like, yeah, everyone, yeah, you know, anyone who knew said, like, oh, okay, it's two thousand one. I get it. So right. the second, but then what was interesting is that if you go to the framed Twitter. Uh, he result he plays the results of everything, and it was everything else was like very obviously two thousand one, right? Like right. Hal, the the spaceship, the everything else, right? Right. Thirty three percent of the people didn't get two thousand one at all. That's wild. wild, really? Wow, I'm kind of shocked at that. If you're playing Framed, you're probably a film nerd, right? It's strange. That's that's really that's really interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So they that was very. Very strange, because we if talked about it before. Podcast, but it's cool; you can do whatever you want to do, buddy. Yeah, it's like we talked about it before. Like the the iconography of say something like two thousand one is so in the culture. I think you told the story, um, like in terms of like what well, I think was it. Uh, uh, I can't remember, but like the the idea is that like so much of it has permeated the culture, and yeah. so many. So many yeah, it's such an important iconic film. Kubrick's anymore. Yeah, it's like right. it's just it's a part of the public art consciousness and like right. it was you were saying karen had only seen it recently and she's like 
Oh, she this- saw it. She saw it like 10, 20 years ago, something like that. But when she saw it, it was parodied so much at that point, right? That right. it was almost like watching a parody of a parody. Yeah, exactly. It's just like it's the, uh, virtually every single shot from the movie is right. in other media, right? You know, um, she, she watches the opening shot of you know the, the <clears> apes. <throat> she's laughing right. because she's thinking of history of the world, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, like, I mean, I, I imagine there's movies like m- most of the movies that most of the great movies that people haven't yet caught up on. I think they have the experience of like, uh, like I know people that have only just saw The Big Lebowski. And like, it's what? funny, it's funny to them, but they're like, I know every joke from this because everyone has used every joke in conversation. Yeah. It's like someone who watches airplane is like, yeah, yeah it's just like yeah. every fucking bit of this is in, in my head already. I just didn't know it was from this. Right. Um, but when you talk about Mulholland drive, like how much of Mulholland drive were you aware of before? None, 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 none. Like zero, right? It was just, absolutely... well, no, I didn't know. I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was about Hollywood and I didn't know. It was oh, sure. Yeah. 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 That's a, but that's a better, you know, as much as the ad, right? Yeah, exactly. I didn't know, I I didn't know that it, some part of it took place on Mulholland Drive. And, <laughs> yes, there are people uh, on so, it. So there's cool things. Here's some cool things I discovered. Well, for, first of all, uh, Naomi Watts, I think, is really good. Uh, oh, yeah. She's yeah. very good. Um, I think she's a little underrated. Uh, and it's inter- But interestingly, I what's funny, well, there's, here's some irony. There is, this film is heavily about casting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I feel that the two women were very heavily cast for their look together. Oh yeah, absolutely. The way well, yeah, they look. They're, they're, she is like, their I, vibe. Need, I need a very blonde Grace Kelly looking yes. innocent woman. Yes. And then I need a dark haired woman who yeah. has a mysterious Presley. past. Yeah. No very, she looks like Priscilla Presley. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, yes. very, very old school looks for the both. Very much nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, early fifties kind of look to them. And like uh, she the, reminded me of Barbara Stanwyck, actually. Yeah, sure, exactly. You know, and the, and the and the name, yeah, she is actually quite Stan, Barbara Stanwyck. That's true. Uh, you like uh, sorry, wrong number and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. We're a little closer to Mike Dan, if you can. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll back back. Back. But yeah, go. the Just um, there you go. But yeah, like all all of the names involved, like Camilla Rhodes and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like, yeah. The, the names it's all are super super old school stuff, and it's trying to throw back to like. And that all, woman all was a famous 40s. actress from the twenties. Oh Who? yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the the, the oh, landlord. The landlord, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's like he's very like. I because I don't believe uh, David Lynch doesn't explain his films. He's pretty, he's really explicit. He refused that. to give any explanation as to what the hell's going on because obviously right. you have questions at the end, right? Uh, but, but I, it I does do have, believe I, that this movie in particular makes a very specific sense. Like I think he's telling a very specific story. I don't think it's you just know like what this weird, movie would weird. be interesting to pair with hmm? Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Why? Because like, they both use the same diners. Uh, it is the Winkies Diner. Yes, exactly. Right. It's the same diners. <laughs> it's the same diner, but it's also because there's a mystery thing that's going on between yes. those. The, 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 the blue key and the, the gold blue, uh, and the gold, and the gold box. case. Yeah, the gold, the gold box. Case. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and both of them really reference heavily nineteen uh, forties movies. Yeah, yes. like uh, like Pulp Fiction, like has the, the case itself is from, and uh, also has has the the club, which is all retro forties. Yeah, the right? retro club. Yeah, exactly. Silencio and uh, you know, I was thinking it was interesting because you know how we all we all talked about like in the eighty, like we're always referencing the eighties now, and it's been forty years, right? Mm-hmm. Right. In the nineties, specifically, they would reference the forties a lot. Remember when swing dancing became oh a yeah, became a huge thing. That's right. <laughs> In fact, that's the opening of this film. 
it's the it's the uh, the montage of the swing dance that she wins, right? right? And so right. she's the, the jitterbug contest, rather. It's just that kind of stuff, and uh, and the bizarre sort of like what I, I really love. I don't often love this, but I love the after effectsiness of that sequence. Yes, right. Like there's totally. something. It's, it's like a title sequence at the beginning. That's what you're. Yeah, about. it's like a title sequence, and it's very intentionally sort of like shitty video effecty like it's not like it looks trying to be classy it does not look beautiful yeah all right we'll start we're starting into this movie okay so we'll start with that it starts off with that title sequence right Mm -hmm. and it's uh, a swing dance that's going on right right so this is a reference to you you shortly find out that uh that uh diane selwyn uh which is oh sorry diane betty helms betty betty has won a a uh, rather a um, uh, a dance contest, which mm-hmm. gets her to get like a free ticket to Hollywood, right? Right. Uh, and her grandparents are you know, super enthusiastic about this, and they 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 flew with her and saw like like the whole thing. Like, this is just I just you know it's a dream come true, and now I'm going to get my my chance. My dreams and hopes are going to Hollywood right. to become a movie star, which is a theme of a lot of movies from the 40s as well. Absolutely. And, and the tone, as you already pointed out, like the tone and the style and most importantly, the, the language music as well, and the the music as well yeah. that is so uh, stylish and 1940s-esque and sort of like pie in the sky, sort of like, I can just make it if I try kind of stuff. And everyone right. talks like this. Right. Right. And all the characters uh, that she meets are like bizarre uh, stereotype stereotypes of this of that kind of genre, right? right. And it's a sunlit Los Angeles with a gauzy lens, and uh, and this is uh, the the tone of much of the film. As weird as the movie gets, it hangs onto that for a good long time. Yes, and so yes, she, so uh, Betty, uh, as uh, as off is going to start her dream of Hollywood. But the first thing we see. Right after the dance competition business, is a limo. Is a limo driving yeah. on Mulholland Drive mm-hmm. slowly, with some strange monotone music, like yes, uh, ominous, ominous music. Yes, an Angela Angela Baldamenti special, right. <laughs> and uh, it's very eerie. It's very very, very Lynchian, and uh, and. I used to drive on Mulholland all the time because I used to go I on like Mulholland. It's beautiful. Um, well, there's several parts to Mulholland. You should we should note this because Mulholland Drive. There's there's the part on Hollywood Hill. Yep, which, which is, is which is gorgeous, but it's also and the four hundred five on treacherous. Yeah, it's, it's very it's twisty. It's very twisty, twisty, and there's certain parts where you're like, oh crap, I can fall off. You yeah, know, just cliffside. Yeah, cliffside exactly. on the sides. Well, it's it's interesting because on the on the Hollywood half, it's uh, uh it's very twisty, and on the backside, on the north, on the um, Burbank oh, half, right. is uh it's actually there's a long straightaway that's that's almost more frightening to me to me to drive because it's like you pick up speed without even noticing it, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, but this thing cuts over the back of the mountains in Hol- in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean it. It is basically you know it's it's the road. It's on the ridge where a lot of the Laurel Canyons and yes. Coldwater Canyons. Yes, so lot, lots of stars live up there. Lots of big fancy houses. Right. You know, it's a it's very old Hollywood in its reference, and uh, and you see 
this limousine is driving and in the limousine is this raven raven haired beauty like 1940s style and mm-hmm. she's obviously a starlet of some kind and they are uh going to, the, the 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 driver is pulling over and she's like we don't stop here this isn't you know, this isn't where, a stop, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not where we're supposed oh, to no, I should note that the, this limo is all, just for style point, it's mm-hmm. all decked out in this super gaudy 90s, like, flush yeah. leather. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a built-in cell phone on the side, you know, that you'd, like, pick right. out, like, the yeah. car phone. Yeah. It's and it's so got good. all that. It's And it's it just feels like, it just... Like when you the 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 leather just feels gross. Like I can David, just see that leather. It's a great thing to point out, right? Because David Lynch, I, you can see through his entire filmography, he is very aware of how current styles will later be perceived. Yeah, and uh, and his sort of like judgment of them is present in all of his films, whether it's Blue Velvet or whether whatever it is, and yeah. like this this one is one of his strongest because like. There are a lot of things in the, in the late 2000s, a lot of TV that looks like Mulholland Drive looks like, but Mulholland Drive looks like that on purpose and is it's very making sinister. fun of its current it's era. Ma- Everything looks like Friends set. Yes, yes, like very intentionally flat. I mean, this guy's photographed some of the best looking films on, in history, and right. he's instead like we're going to use medium lenses and flat shots, flat light. Yeah. straight on and just like he's really aggressive about it and then the the, the design of the, the production design is that like you're saying Eric, it's, it's very it's very sitcom 90s did you ever see there was a, there, a you guys will probably know this and i it just it popped there was a a mini series that came out around this time about uh people that lived in an apartment building san francisco in san francisco what's it called yes. That's one of my favorite movies shows. It was it was it was hours. a like a six part mini yeah, and it was um, my professor at grad school was friends with him, and I'll get you the name right now because I loved... Wild Palms is, is no nope. Wild Palms is no. that's a good that's good that's that not Wild Palms that's what no, no it's, it's not, not Wild Palms it's I'll not Wild Palms right it's now, not Wild Palms all right what, who, Monkey Man knows I love Wild Palms I no, love it's not Wild and I'll tell it's you not. right now yeah. if you just give me one second you bet. Keep going. But it was all like in the 60s. It was supposed to take place. Yes. And different versions of that. But the one that I love is more tales of the city from 1998. Alex, oh, Armistead Maupin. Oh, that's what Maupin. Tales yes, of the city. Tales of the city. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. So it's Ar- right. uh, Armistead uh, Maupin from 1998. Olympia Yes. Yes. Yep. I forgot Laura Linney was in it. Yeah, that's the first thing I, I saw. I love her. and because this guy that was in it, uh <laughs> Bill uh what's his name? He's cousins to a guy I went to school with, Bill Campbell. Oh right. Okay, great. All right. Yeah, like that that is the uh that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's like a uh like there's a there's a like Monkey Man's right to bring up Wild Palms. Wild Palms has this kind of if have you guys seen Wild Palms? Really hard to find. It's a science. I, I remember it, but I don't remember. I remember the poster, but I didn't. See yeah, it. it's a science fiction miniseries that was on, I think, ABC. Uh, and that and was Oliver Stone. It's Oliver Stone produced it, and uh, it was uh, directed by a couple of different directors, but like Phil Juano and and folks like yeah. this. Yeah, 
and uh, it had um, uh, Jim Belushi and uh, Ernie Hudson and Kim Cattrall and uh, and fucking uh, uh, a connection to David Lynch is uh, uh, what's what's his name um, uh, the from Lost Highway the ball uh, uh, Robert Loja Robert Loja uh, and it is a incredibly cool bizarre 90s specific sci-fi miniseries if anybody can find this thing they did it because of twin peaks they did because of twin peaks absolutely and this was supposed to be a this was supposed to be a miniseries too so just just to point out that all out there so yep these they're all interconnected and it's all it's all the same vibe there's a weird vibe yeah and i think it's because of lynch it's because of twin peaks and i am excited for miniseries to come back i'm just saying that i i'm glad that they are starting to i'm glad that that that, that streaming thinks about stuff in terms of miniseries now and i know i know we i've brought this movie up before but forever is not supposed necessarily supposed to be a miniseries but can totally be a miniseries because it's nine part you know nine parts half hour but it has it has a beginning a middle and an end and it's yeah, perfect it's, it's, it's a story it's a story, it's a story. That's, yeah. that's all i want that's all i want okay. so, uh, the 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 limo's driving down uh, uh they stop somewhere and then these crazy kids come by in their cars and crash into and it's a straight up these are from the 50s specifically this is like a bunch of kids in poodle skirts and like right riding hey, with the top down the convertible get yeah. out of there right and uh, and so you literally have the i'm gonna tell your parents yeah and it's just like yay like leaning out like leaning out the roof and it's all this stuff real it's so it's, fantasy it's so fantasy and it's like literally the 50s slamming into the 40s <laughs> like it's it's just r- ridiculous um but they come careening down the hill they don't see what's coming and they are going to be hitting the limousine, but we are in the limousine and the car is pulled over because the driver is going to kill the woman in the back. Like he's got a gun right. out and he's ready to kill this woman. And right. she's like, what? Like, and, but before he can do it, the 1950s crew crashes crash. into the car, destroys yeah. it. Massive, massive car crash. Mm-hmm. And, the only person that survived the car crash is the woman. Yes. But she's heavily but she's, injured. Yeah. Talk about it like, out. Right. It's like the scene in Wild at Heart with, uh, uh, you know, the, the woman with the head injury. Head injury. Yeah, exactly. Her mom's going to kill me. <laughs> I got to find my <laughs> hairbrush. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so she's, she, she is injured and shocked mm-hmm. and wanders out of the car. And slowly wanders on the street, and then she's in the middle of Hollywood somewhere. Mm-hmm. Gets in front of an apartment, sees the apartment, sneaks into the apartment, and hides in yeah. there. Is that yeah. right? I got to yeah. start uh-huh. Okay. Yep. You, you basically she she like she goes down through. She crosses like Sunset. Lots of iconic, yeah, very iconic train. Hollywood intersections. Right, and then uh, and she sneaks into this apartment. And, right. uh, and that apartment is where Betty ends up living. Yes. But more specifically is where aunt Ruth is currently. Aunt, aunt Ruth. <laughs> right. Yes, so aunt exactly. Ruth is in that apartment. And, and those Ruth women is, are so strange. Like well, aunt Ruth is like the perfect name for that woman. I know, so but she also looks like, what? There's something so bizarre about aunt Ruth. You forget like she's, yeah, she's magnificent. That, that actor does. I, I, I don't know if she like got the David Lynch vibe, but she brought the David Lynch vibe. 
Her pursed lips, yes. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. So yeah. then, so she hides in the apartment to hide. And that's kind of like, I don't know what's going on. But she's clearly confused and not knowing what's exactly going on. But she's hiding. Right. Uh, then we go, then we cut to the diner. Uh, We're at the Winkies diner. The diner, yes. Winkies. Right. <laughs> okay, so there's two guys at the diner. Right. One, uh, a younger guy talking to a slightly older guy. Mm-hmm. And he says, I wanted to bring you to this diner. A Winkies? And goes, this specific Winkies. This specific Winkies. Because I had a nightmare where I was here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was here, and you were at the counter over there. And there is a horrific figure that I could see that is behind the diner. A nightmare figure. It terrifies me. It's so right. real. And he says, so basically I says, so you want to come here to make sure that that figure is not here. <laughs> basically is what he says. He's like, all right, well, let's go. So they go. And the younger guy goes out with him and then it's like, it's like, well, take me to where that figure is. So he takes him around the back of the Winkies diner. There's like, you know, it's, and it's, it's the dread that's building up when this he, is, and he is like, Oh no, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Yeah. He did, but he's basically saying, I need to prove to myself that there's no horrific thing behind right. the Winkies diner. Right. In real life. It's almost, it's almost yeah. like going to a kid and saying, look, the closet, it's empty. There's no monster. Yeah, it's on. empty. Right? Only this time there's a monster in it. <laughs> so he gets to the back of the thing and there is a monster back there. Yes. I and and he is completely freaked out, faints and passes out and dies. I believe he dies, right? Looks like he dies. Yeah, he looks he has a heart attack, dies. Has like, a heart attack and dies. that's it. And that's the only time you ever see these guys. <laughs> no, not true. Oh, I'm saying yes, there's one that's more the time. That's, but that's yeah, one yeah. more time. But but you're questioning like Wait, what? What the like, fuck is this about? Who's, and who? Why? Why is this? Why are we talking about this? And and then and it, then it just then it goes to the scene of Betty arriving. Yep, so Betty arrives in Hollywood, and she's like, "That's here to get my hopes and dreams of Hollywood. This is right. so exciting, you know." Yep. And she is being uh, accompanied by a, a woman named Irene, older yes. couple. Mm-hmm. I guess she must have been on the plane. Yep, or something, right? Yep. And, yeah, so excited for you, dear. Right. Best of best time of your best life. Of luck. Best, yeah, of, best of luck. Can't yeah. wait to see you on the silver screen. The silver screen. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's just like you know, my hopes and dreams. It's just yep. really cliche to. Yeah, it's super corny. It's also, yeah. like every pause is like you just want to hear like, did they say her line for her? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's right. so awkward. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's, it's hard right. to even. It's like hard to describe her line. It's right. like it's really. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. Now, but everybody, that's the thing, right? Because this is this is exactly some of the issues that I was having with Wild at Heart when I realized, like, no, this is intentional. Yeah, because, like, well, for instance, we now know this was her major debut role right here, but we know that Naomi Watts is a terrific actor, mm-hmm. right? So it's very strange to see her. She also shows that she's a terrific actor uh, yes. within well, the movie. With, within the movie that's coming she up, does, yeah. the yeah. movie that she does within the movie. Yes, it's, she it's does one a my, more superior role than she does yeah, as like her, as in herself. one of my single favorite sequences in the history of film. Yes, that's coming up. Yeah, they, but at the at the outset, she seems like a bad. Like it seems like David Lynch has hired a bad actor. 
Right. Like, yeah. it's really, it's really awkward. Intentionally really, so, though. Yes, exactly. And so it's very strange. It's a very strange performance, and it's great. Once you understand what's going on, once you see what's happening, it's, it's particularly great. He is, he is sort of loading the gun with that bit. Uh, and and he because he knows that the audience has never seen Naomi Watts before, and doesn't know what she's capable of, and right. so he's this like, was "We're her gonna... first big movie, right? This is her first big movie." And so uh, and so he is slowly loading the chamber, and uh, to to get you later on, and uh, it's really really genius. It's really genius. Okay, so now uh, she's arrives, etc. Now. Next scene, she takes her cab to this beautiful courtyard apartment in Hollywood, right? And she's looks, uh, she talks to the landlady, who is like the typical old-school Hollywood starlet who's well beyond her years, yeah, right? But still does the makeup like she was a starlet, right? right. I never had plastic surgery on this one. You can't yep. tell. Yeah, you can't uh, tell. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, uh, and she basically, we find out that basically she is going to be staying, or Betty is going to be staying at uh, her Aunt Ruth's apartment. Yes. Right? Yes. So right. she's got, she gets into her apartment and is like, yay, Hollywood, I'm so excited, yay, mm -hmm. yay. And then she walks through the apartment and finds the woman from the accident in the shower. Yes. Behind glass. Right. So, but the glass has got that weird frosting. It's frosted. You can tell that she's naked, yeah. and it's a it's a brilliantly awkward scene. It's a very awkward scene because you're really, really because what like Lynch really lights her so you can see that she's naked in the shower, right. but also won't let you see her, and you can see that that Betty is sort of like awkwardly trying to. Uh, uh, who are you? But she's yeah. like such a a sweet little mid Midwestern girl or wherever right. she's from, right? That she's like. Oh, this must be. I must help you with something going on, as opposed to who the fuck are you? What are you doing? Right, and, and, right exactly, right? exactly. So she's she does that, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. So anyway, uh, uh, let me see. Uh, okay, so uh, then basically, uh, they they does she talk? Does she find out that she has amnesia now, or she doesn't? I don't remember. I forget. Uh, I forget. I think okay. that's. I think that happens. Yeah. I think. Okay. So like, it's a, but basically it's either now or soon later. It's, I don't think it's. it's yeah, it's pretty now. soon after this. Anyway. She she finds out that basically this woman, um, doesn't uh, has amnesia, right? And we right. realize it's the woman from the car crash. So I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. She had a big car crash and she doesn't know what the hell's happening, right? right? And she's going by the name of Rita. Because, because she sees Rita Hayworth in a poster, poster. right, yeah. right, in the, in the house, right. Okay, then we cut to a scene with Adam Kessler, the 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 director whose name is Adam Kessler, but it's actually Justin Thoreau, which I was so pleased. I don't yes. know why. I have a soft spot for Justin Thoreau. I, I love Justin Thoreau. Yeah, he's great in this movie. He's very very funny. He's really really good. And this is very young Justin Thoreau. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because he's all. Have you seen? Did you did you watch? Uh, uh, what's it called? The uh, uh, Mosquito Coast. No, no. Um, the series. Doctor Roberts. No. Oh yeah. No, the, so the leftovers. Oh, I I didn't see that. I hear it's great. Yeah, he was good at that. He was pretty yeah. good in that. I didn't know he was in it. Actually, I'm. Yeah, actually he's the star of it. Yeah, that's awesome. He's great. He's a great actor. Great yeah. actor. So he's very good in it. Um, I think around this time he was known as Jennifer Aniston's husband. I may be wrong. 
No, was, it, was he already that. married to her? I don't think he was married no. to her yet. Oh, no. He wasn't okay. married to her yet. Right. He's not married anymore, right? No. no. Oh, did they break up I think they Oh, it's heartbreaking. But you know what's interesting about Justin Thoreau is that he actually would rather be known for his writing than his acting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he's, a, he's uh, and his whole family is a big, uh, big writers. Yeah, Paul Thoreau's is uh, what grandfather or his uncle or something like that. Right. And Paul but he, he actually wrote Tropic Thunder. <laughs> that's hysterical did he really yeah that yeah. is uh that is a movie that couldn't be made today and i love it it's a brilliant brilliant film it's a movie that should be made should today. be made today that movie needs to be made today and yeah nobody has the nobody has the gun it's the day anyway so justin justin Thoreau or adam kesher mm-hmm. uh is in a hollywood conference room and apparently there's a bunch of mobsters in there <laughs> right and they're pushing him that he needs to cast this woman called Camilla Rhodes yes. on his next picture. It's like, I don't give a shit who you want to cast. You are casting this Camilla woman. Camilla Rhodes on your and, next picture. And you're going to know, because when we go through the audition, we're going to point to her and say, that's the girl. Right. And you are going to say, that's the girl. <laughs> <laughs> You can right. have anything else you want. You can make well, this movie any way you want. He's like, right. screw you. Yeah. Yeah. He gets pissed off about yeah. it. Yeah. He gets says, really pissed says off. Says no. Yeah. Says no. And by the way, he drives a Porsche Boxster, which is really kind of the cheapest Porsche you can get. <laughs> just, just pointing that out as, as, as the fact that, like, I'm going to get a Porsche, but I can't really afford a whole Yeah, it's Porsche. the lower tier driver car. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. It's like the people who's like, I want a BMW. And it's like, well, I'll get a three series that's 15 years old. Okay. Yeah, All right. Exactly. Now you got a BMW. There you yeah. go. And, and uh, now you pay like premium for repairs that still looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it's, so. Uh, great, great, great bit of production design there to give him a boxer. That's the star. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. But anyway, he go, he gets out of the meeting. He's pissed off. He sees a limo in the parking lot and smashes the limo because he, you know, because it belongs to the bobsters, and he's right. pissed off at him. I think it was a Jack Nicholson little thing right. there. Yeah, exactly. Right, because it was right but, around that time. Takes her out a golf club, smashes the shit. This right, and then drives off. Right. Then there's an interesting, weird scene, and I uh, this is a strange one. Mobsters talk to a guy in a wheelchair in mm-hmm. this room. Behind glass. Yep. Very, and a strange looking man. Yeah. It's like he's like in a spotlight, very ominous looking situation. He's also, I believe, the uh, the little person from Twin Peaks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think so. The backwards casting character. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a friend of David Lynch's and he's done a couple of his pictures. So he's great. Yeah. Great. Just totally great. He's in a wheelchair and he seems to be in control of everything. He's like, he claims he won't cast a girl. What do we do? It's like, well, what do you think you should do? And it's like, do we shut down everything? I guess we have to shut down everything or something. Yeah. Whatever. And the guy's very not saying anything. He's just sort of like putting it together. Okay, is that what you mean? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, oh, McMahon said, and the less good Iron Man two. I don't know what he was referring to when we talked when we said that. I don't know. Mm, that's less. Like my, okay. Anyway, did he really write? Did Justin Thoreau write Iron Man 2? That's interesting. I thought Iron Man 2 was Shane Black. But it might be wrong. Maybe uh-huh. it's Iron Man 3. But okay, we'll have to anyway. look into that. Uh, okay, apparently Justin Thoreau wrote Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2. Here we go. 
I'm I'm assuming my my command backs up this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Okay, okay. So, uh, so, uh, so, uh, so basically, obviously, a lot is hinging on this woman being cast. It's not like the mobster wants his daughter. It's like something more ominous. Yeah, there's something sinister happening. Sinister of making this person cast. It's not like. You know, he's the daughter of the of the Godfather or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, no. Yeah. Okay. And then we go to this big old comedy bit, which is hilarious, <laughs> which is basically this guy who is kind of like, you know, California dude is right. in an office with another California dude and they're laughing about stuff. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the skeevy then, producer's office that you find off of like Vine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Super shitty. Yeah. yeah. And then one of the guy the guy standing up says, Oh, that's the famous black book that belongs to, you know, the guy who's That's my office. favorite. That's but that sequence is my favorite. Oh, it's fucking oh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. And so he goes to the book and he goes, Yeah, that's the book uh that's the book uh uh of the guy. And he's like, Yeah. And then he as the guy looks down at the book, he grabs a gun with a silencer, the guy standing up, grabs a gun with a silencer and shoots the guy in the head. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he wants to steal the book. Then he tries to. The guy's flat down on the table. He tries to place the gun in his hand to look like he committed suicide. Look like a suicide, right? Right. Which? Why would you commit suicide with a silencer? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. That's brilliant. Well, okay. you're respectful of your neighbors. That's yeah. And as he's trying to place the gun carefully on his hand, so it looks like he shot himself That's in the so head. Good. He accidentally <laughs> fires the gun again. It goes through a wall mm-hmm. and then you hear ah! <laughs> as someone gets shot on the other side of the wall and the guy goes oh shit and then finally <laughs> he says okay so he go he runs next door he finds this uh this this very uh, oversized this large woman who's like ah some animal bit me real bad <laughs> and he's like what's going on then he tries to strangle her and like tackles her mm-hmm. and it's like the struggling basically he needs to kill her too now right because mm-hmm. she's a witness or she's got a bullet in her butt or something right, right? and so uh so then he he, he grabs her and he's str- straining and finally gets control of her takes her out of the office drags her through the hallway <laughs> as that happens he sees at the end of the hallway is the janitor just looking at him <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing That's so at, great. at which point because uh he goes help me help me she's her injured real bad i need you to call the the call 911 on the phone help me i need to help me the guy's like what what's going on and he's still like you know holding her hand over his hand over her mouth so she can't say anything right so he drags her in then finally, she gets in there. Uh, he gets her in there. He shoots her. <laughs> right? She's dead. Then the janitor comes by, walks in with the vacuum cleaner that's still on. Or no, yes. it's, yeah, it's still on. Yeah, right. He's like, okay. And then he shoots the janitor. And then the vacuum cleaner is still going, so he decides to shoot the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> like, right. is a beautiful touch. I think that's a really it's like, touch. why you shoot the vacuum? You just turn yeah. it off. And then the vacuum cleaner sparks, and then all this electrical stuff goes up and flames, and there's smoke goes off. 
Smoke goes off, sets off the 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 smoke detector. Now the sirens going off. I was like, God damn it! Like like so. Finally, he just grabs the book, this black book, and just walks out the window and the fire escape. And goes. That, that's it. That's just ridiculous. It's a it's comedy of errors, but then. But that uh, sequence too was like, what? <laughs> what's, what's the book? Happening? What's going on? And you're right. hoping that maybe you'll get these answers. By the way, spoiler alert: you don't necessarily get the answers to this. <laughs> the, the movie is pretty guarded about what it's doing. Yes, it's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Now. Uh, okay. So we're trying to find. Okay. So at this now we're back to the two girls in the apartment, and they're trying to figure out her identity. They decide to go through her purse to see maybe she has her idea which i don't know why it took so long to do that but it has a a very nancy drew flavor this whole section right you know it's like it's like (laughs) it's like the mystery of the old clock (laughs) so uh so anyway so um they are uh where where was i sorry uh right so they're going through that and instead they find in the in the uh in the purse they find a lot of cash and a blue, an obscure blue key. A blue like a, key. Yeah. Strange blue Made key. by some prompt department in the valley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's beautiful. It's a blue enamel key. It's a very strange right. blue key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Now, it, this is all over the place, this film. Just letting you guys know, just kind yep. of like for a ride. And I wrote it all down because it was like, yeah it's what's happening yeah there's, okay. there's a lot of like what the hell is going on when you're first right. watching this movie okay so now the director uh now we're with the director and he's driving home to his big director mansion turns out uh his wife is sleeping with some cyrus red, billy red, ray the cyrus. pool guy gene the pool guy <laughs> billy ray cyrus i think billy, yeah i believe it is, it is. Billy yeah. cyrus yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. yeah so. he's big, big redneck with a big mo- uh, a, like mullet, like and you know, a torn sleeve shirt, and she's sleeping with that guy. Right, right. He's pissed off at her. Decides that to revenge for her, he grabs her jewelry box. Yeah, mm-hmm. and dumps pink paint all inside all of her jewelry, jewelry. Right. all over her jewelry. Right. He got paint, pink paint everywhere for yeah. a big portion of this movie. He's Walking around with pink paint. paint. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so like this goes badly. He's kicked out of his house, his her her house, like right like, their house. Yeah, yeah, their house. And he has to go, like, you know, shack up in a shitty room downtown. He's got. He's got. Well, he's got a private little apartment thing. Right. Going. Anyway, right. we'll get to that point. But anyway, yeah, he's got kicked out of his house, right? Or he leaves his house, or whatever he does. Right, but basically, yeah, his his wife is is screwing the pool guy, which is also a cliche, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So then, the next thing is Rita and Betty uh, are at the Winkies. <laughs> exactly the same seats. Same like exactly seats, the same thing. Right. Same thing, and they are trying to figure out uh, who what what's going on. As that happens, the waitress comes by and has a name tag that says Diana on it. Correct? Yep, exactly. Diane. Diane. At which Diane, not Diana. Diane. Yep. Sorry. At which point Rita has a flashback. It's like, I know that name. And she says, Diane Silwyn. Mm-hmm. Selwyn, yep. Selwyn. Diane Selwyn. Diane Selwyn. And like, oh, okay. Well, we have something. So yeah, they no, look I up. Have so, a clue. So, 
they look up something. Uh, oh, and also, by the way, they also, find out, they also find out that they asked the cops about a car accident, and they find out there was a car accident on Mulholland Drive. And it's really, you get to see pay phones, which are... Yeah, it's so on. nice. Yeah, yeah, that's great. They, they and use pay newspapers. Phones. And newspapers. Yes, they look up news on a newspaper, right? Crazy. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah. You don't pick up your phone and just... Those were the days. That's right. <laughs> A quarter meant something. God darn it! So you could yeah. buy you could buy a, quarter, a car for a quarter, right? <laughs> so okay, so uh, so then they they look up Diane Ooh. Silwin in a phone book and try to call her, but they don't have an answer. Am I right? I'm kind of mm -hmm. just so far right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, the awesome line went because she's about to make the call. It's a uh, 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 Camilla's, but not 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 what's her name? Not Camilla. Uh, Rita. Rita. Rita's about to make the call, and it's because. It's strange calling yourself. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. It's yes. an interesting thing. It's interesting twist as it gets right. played. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then the, we're now the director is in this small crappy apartment, downtown LA, you know, really crappy apartment. Right. Dingy, dangerous place. Yeah. It's dingy, like, dangerous yeah. place. Right. And then the apartment manager comes up and it's like, your, your credit cards didn't go through or something like that. And goes, I pay you in cash. I'm just telling you, some, your credit is gone. Basically, meaning like they know you're here. You yeah, the, the fucking pressure is on, dude. The pressure is on. You got to, you can't, you, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And just, they insisted you need to go see the cowboy. The cowboy. Right. I was like, what? <laughs> and then they tell them where the cowboy is. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know if this happened right after. I don't remember exactly, but I think it does. It was the, the cowboy. Then he goes to this weird ranch somewhere, way up in the hills. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. he. I think he tells he tells his he tells this to his and assistant. Canyon, right? He tells this to his assistant, and his assistant says, "Well, why don't you just stay at my house?" And she has this weird. Yeah, she's like wants to hook up with him. She like, wants to hook up with him. It's like, no, it'd be great. You can just stay here. Right. And uh, yeah, he's like, no, uh, thanks. You're sweet, but. Yeah, I don't. Newsman is asking: Is Winkies the same place uh, Winky Dinky dogs are from? Winky Dinky dogs. Winky Dinky. Dogs. That's a look up, but I'm gonna be yeah. surprised. I don't think no Winkies. I think Winkies was just basically like something that's an alternate to Denny's. It's basically a Denny's. Winky Dinky dogs is from well, Hollywood I Shuffle. I think the menu they have a Winky Dinky Dogs is uh, from Hollywood Shuffle, uh, and uh, it goes it goes along with everybody likes hoe cakes. <laughs> and I believe the Winkies is actually uh, Winkies is actually. Uh, it was the Denny's on Sunset, right? I thought it was, was the it the Denny's, Denny's on Sunset. Yeah, I thought it was the Denny's on Sunset and oh, Sunset Sunset and I don't know. Someone look it up because I thought it was like in Sunset Plaza. City. It's not the same place as it's not like the Guitar same place Center. Center. It's, it's not the same place uh, as yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's, it's around by Guitar Center. Around there. And it's not it's the like, same place as Pulp Fiction. It, as it, yo, Pulp Fiction is actually a place I found it in. Um, that's in the Valley. That's in, um, um, rather in like Burbank or somewhere like that. Oh, I, well, yeah. I know exactly which place it is then. Yeah. 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 But, uh, uh, and, then, and then the other great diner is uh, Big Lebowski, which I believe is the fake diner down by the LACMA. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. my old neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's all they do is rent it out. All they do is it used to be an actual place, but all, all they do is rent out for movies now. Okay, so he does go to see the diner, the diner, the cowboy, mm -hmm. um, who is this weird 
comical, wimpy guy with this giant hat. Yeah, he's like, like this thin, little, pale, like no eyebrows. Like he might have might be albinism or something like this. You don't right. know. And uh, he's got this giant cowboy hat. And you're in literally a ranch. Right. Uh, Which, night. by the way, does exist. It does <laughs> oh, yeah. exist. Up, especially up there. Like there's a, like there's a, a and places yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a horse ranch up there. Yeah. And uh, and so I think they, they shot it up there. It's got like the uh, the cow skull with the lamp in it. And yeah. All that stuff. So it's this very sort of funny, spooky scene. Mm-hmm. And the cowboy lays it out. He's like, he says, if you don't cast Camilla, bad things are going to happen to you. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you have one job. And I love uh, one of my favorite lines is, the, is like the director is just sort of like, or like throws just not taking him seriously at all. It's just like, okay, Mr. Big Man, Mr. Cowboy, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're he, being snad. Yeah. <laughs> the cowboy calls him out and says, no, no, can you think about that for me? And he's like, yeah, I'll think about it. He goes, no, you're being a wiseacre. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you think about that for a few seconds? Yeah. <laughs> like oh, this kind of line. But when he says, uh, what he goes, now, now listen here. Uh, let's say there's a buggy. How many, bu- how many drivers does a buggy have? One. Well, let's say I'm driving this buggy. <laughs> like, this is the kind of conversation it is. Right. And it's, it's both very funny and sort of, it's nerve wracking because, you yes. know, like this guy represents some giant power. You don't know what it is. Uh, but it's, 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 it's old. I mean, this is why he's a cowboy. It's the oldest Hollywood. Like right, this yeah. is the old deep Hollywood powers that are the coming first movies, kind of. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and the guy kind looks kind of like, like a, in Casino, where that guy comes to visit about his nephew. Yes, the old ranchers who basically ran Vegas. Yeah, it's like this is. Well, I wouldn't say he's the smartest fella, but yeah, you're gonna fucking like, employ him though. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't hire. Him. I can't and do like that. that. No, I can't do that. On the take. Or he's dumb. Either way, I can't have this guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is that. That is exactly the same thing. Because like he is this guy. The cowboy is looks like a ghost, and he is one hundred percent the founding. And his hat guy. is just like the, the most parody hat you can get. Yeah, but that, I think in that in that era, those hats represented a certain type of rancher or a certain type of guy. Yeah, did it's, something. It's, it's just really, massive. It's yeah. massive. Yeah, but he's got a pretty. His whole outlook, his whole look is like that Tom Mix kind of cowboy. That's what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Tom Mix, thirties. Uh, yeah. um, yeah. There's something about the reason for the hot big hats like that. Right, right. But it's, um, great. it's really, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. no, like they were musicians or singers or something about it that is different. Right. But you right. see it in the thirties. Yeah, this is, right. the, this is the oldest portion of Hollywood that's represented in the film here. And he's he's laying down the law. Like you are gonna fucking cast the the girl we say. That's that. But like, you can't have it any other way. And if you want to be a director in this town, this is it. That's the girl. <laughs> That's the girl. That's the girl. All right. Okay. So uh right. Next is then we go back to Betty. And turns out she is auditioning for a part. So she's got a part that she's auditioning for. Right. And she's and, like, she says to Rita, like, can you help me out with in my audition lines? Right. right. And it's cheesy. It's super cheesy. She's reading the lines and it's super cheesy the way she's doing it. Like the, the lines themselves, the lines themselves are terrible. And then when they run the scene together, it's even worse. Like, you're right. like, like she is like as, as, as 
awkward an actor as Naomi Watts seemed, seems to be in the role that uh, Betty, right? right? When she is acting now, like this is what she's here to do. Right. When you see her practice, she is fucking terrible. Right. <laughs> like she is genuinely, genuinely terrible. And yep. you, so you're like, you're just like, well, this is not going to work very well for Betty. <laughs> right. Not going to be happening. So she does that and she goes, you know, does, does her thing. And it's like, okay. Then she goes, I have a rehearsal in an hour. Nice. So go she audition goes, immediately. Yeah. Go it's audition weird immediately. Optimism. Like my yeah. life will change. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. going to be great. So yeah. she shows up at the, at the, at the, the, uh, the uh, studio and they have casting director there, a bunch of people there, even though one of the so casting directors great. is actually, they say is not actually casting movie, but she is a casting director. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this, old school like because she's very director. pretty right yeah is it old school director and then this old school actor who's like, he looks like a piece like of wood yeah. <laughs> he is just exactly. a sleazy looking sleazy, super tan george hamilton george hamilton yeah yeah <laughs> like he is silver hair virtually red leather tanned face like he's yeah, just he's like, like I'm going to play this scene real close. Yeah, you better get ready, baby. Because he's going to be like, I'm going to be right up against you. You know, like just... Because the scene scene is written to be this older man uh, basically dominates this younger woman who, uh, like you said, his daughter's friend or something like this. And like it sets up for this like, you know, uh, semi, like, almost rapey kind of situation it's totally. ultra fucking creepy it's ultra creepy very creepy very awkward and very horrible yeah. and you're like okay here's her first audition in hollywood and this guy is like i'm just gonna cop a feel on this young girl, yeah exactly right? i'm gonna fucking shoot some binaca in my mouth and let's go that's, that's yeah. his whole point of view right? uh, yeah yeah let's do <laughs> <laughs> it's so sleazy it's so sleazeball so, that's right out of your playbook dan <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. And so, it doesn't go the way he thinks well, it's Well, hold on. So first of all, she goes in there and immediately she she senses the tension mm-hmm. and is, you can tell. And then suddenly, this is the scene that we talked about earlier where mm-hmm. she's acting and she's acting better in this scene than she acts in the entire She film. reveals <laughs> how good an actor Naomi Watts is. Right. She's like, I, I, it's like more than halfway through the movie at this point. And she's like, okay, it's time for me to do my job. Right. And the scene that she, like, she takes complete control of the scene, and like, the, in every way. And everyone is floored, including the, the actor. Yeah, like the dude who's like who is creeping on her is like lording over her and was like we get heading for the big makeout. Like he is absolutely dominated by her completely, right. like utterly controlled by her. She's in charge of the scene and she makes it so crazy sexy. It's insane. It's right. insane. Like her performance is perfect. It's scary. It's weird, and she owns it one hundred percent. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, which is of course what she's supposed to do. Yeah, everyone gets surprised. 
the director goes like, "Oh my God, she just he wasn't even paying attention to the director." Though. Yeah, the, the, the actual director is like, "Oh yes, yes, yeah," but everyone else is like cheering. Yes, this is right. incredible, incredible. The director is like, "We can do it a little bit." Yes, there are yeah. different ways. To blah blah blah. Oh, right. yeah. but, and like, the, but the producer, clear. the producer was blown away by it. The actor, yeah. yes, the actor is like, oh, "I like her," you know. Yeah. Mm. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And meanwhile, yeah. and the and the audience, us, is right. blown away. Like we didn't right. know that this is going to happen in this movie. And and suddenly, like she just, just runs out and punches us all in the face. It's right. just one of the best things I've ever seen. Right, right, right. Okay, so now at this point, what happens? Uh, oh, the casting director, who is not actually casting this film, escorts her out and says, "We're taking you across the street for something else." <laughs> right. Right. Because and he says, oh, says, "Oh, that film's a terrible. You don't even be involved in that film. Right. I've got a better thing for you." Basically, is what they tell her, right? Right, right. He's like, those guys are horrible. Yeah. So he's like, oh. that director is a he's a has been. We're just doing it as a favor. Right. I'll take you to the real giant. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he she goes across the street. Um. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, right. And they cast. They put her in front of. Uh, they sh- they're on set, and they're rehearsed or they're casting or testing out different uh, women. And it turns out it's Adam, the director. Who's casting the lead role for yes. the movie that he's supposed to cast Camilla in? Right. Yes. So the final, the two stories finally converged. The director finally and converged. Uh, Betty. Right. right now, the director looks back, sees Betty. Mm-hmm. Who's that girl? Who's that girl? She yeah. looks at him. They look at each other. They're awkward. There's a strange vibes going on. Mm-hmm. But they keep casting other. They keep bringing in other women, mm-hmm. and then. This one woman comes in. They say, "This is Camilla Rhodes," and, like, and she does her performance, which is okay, I guess. Sure, fine. And he it's just turns bad. around and fine. goes, "That's the girl." Yeah. <laughs> says the line. <laughs> says the line that he's supposed that's to say. the girl. <laughs> I was right? told to say this, and say here it, I am exactly. saying it. Yeah, that's it. Right. That's it. But also, Betty freaks out. And before that happened, I think, Mm -hmm. and she says, I got to go and just runs off. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, So that's kind of a different, interesting thing. Right. Um, So then we are Rita and Betty uh, have figured out who Diane is because of the phone book. So they go to the uh, apartment where she lives Mm -hmm. and someone else is in the apartment. She goes, no, she does. Did used to live in this apartment. She, she and I have switched, so mm-hmm. she's actually in apartment seventeen. I think is what. Yeah, right, right, right. And so she's now in apartment seventeen. So they go. It says, "Oh, hold on, I'll be with you guys in a second. Says the 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 neighbor who's now in her in Diane's apartment. So they walk over I to. I think Diane. they were lovers, though. No, well, we'll find we'll out. We get to that part. We'll get to that part. Yep. So we, so we, should they get to the apartment? The two, Rita and Betty, get to the apartment. Knock on the door. No one answers. They decide to come in through the window. Mm-hmm. They come in through the window and they get themselves in. <coughs> and they go to look around the apartment. They get into the bedroom and there's a person in the bed uh-huh. laying down. And they turn around and she's bit on the. Oh, also they're covering their noses because it smells really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and turns out there's a dead body there. It's been there. Several days. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, lying on its side and it's bloated and and uh rotting. Right. Diane right. Diane Selwyn is uh 
is uh, is a corpse. Is a corpse, right? Okay. Yeah. So Rita obviously gets scared because, first of all, she realizes she is not Diane, mm-hmm. right? Because the neighbor would have recognized her if she was Diane, right? Right. Uh, but she's scared, and she says, "Oh no, this is bad. This situation's bad. I gotta disguise myself." So she puts on a blonde wig, tries to disguise herself through this whole situation. Right. Um, it's like and, double indemnity or something. Where yeah. The wig. Right. So now all of a sudden, what's with the blonde, blonde wig women, on? Two blonde yeah. women. So you can see the background of our screen is the two blonde women that are right. together. Right. Right. Um, and so, uh, but they, they decide, so they're in the apartment together and she's still wearing the blonde wig. Uh, Rita is. And, uh, they decided, you know, oh, well, you know, there's a big bed. We can sleep in the bed together. You don't have to sleep on the couch or whatever. Right. And so you don't have to wear the wig in the apartment. It's just me, right? Mm-hmm. So they, so she says, okay. So Rita gets in the bed with her naked. <laughs> and they say goodnight to each other. And then mm-hmm. they start making out. And uh, they're, they both make themselves naked. And they're in, totally, you know, sexually aroused by her. Yep. And then. Betty says, have you ever done this before? Mm-hmm. And then Rita says, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> she's got amnesia. Right. And uh, she asks, have you done it? And she says, I want to do it with you. So yep. obviously this is both first time women that want to make out with each other. Mm-hmm. Which point then they go to sleep. Uh, and the uh, Rita wakes up from a nightmare. Mm-hmm. She's saying something. Club. She's saying Club Silencio or something. Silencio. Silencio. Yeah. Right. So uh, wake up in the night, and they decide they have to go to Club Silencio in the middle of the night, like three o'clock in the morning, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go to this theatrical experience in the middle of downtown uh, LA somewhere, mm-hmm. and there's an MC, and he's basically giving the speech that everything is an illusion, right? Yep. Or something like that nature. Right, and he does the things like uh, there's a trumpet player, but uh, you know you you see that the, the guy's not actually playing the trumpet; it's actually a recording, right? Yeah, this kind of stuff, right? And All then this, right. this woman comes out and she starts singing, uh, crying, crying by uh, Roy, Orbison. Roy Orbison, Roy Orbison, in Spanish, uh, in Spanish, mm-hmm. and it's a very beautiful performance. Everyone is crying, including Rita and. Uh, uh, Betty, Betty, uh, and then she passes out, but the music keeps going. The playback keeps going. Mm-hmm. The, the woman who's singing passes out, right. and it turns out that that was also an illusion, right? And they're like a move, and at which point, Rita, no, Betty grabs the purse that they had, opens it up, and finds a blue box, the blue same box. color blue as the key and they know mm-hmm. it's the same they look the same right but it's this blue box similar to the box in hellraiser right <laughs> yes it's a good right? connection right there it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah yeah that could be a hellraiser and mulholland drive would have been a good right, one, right? Yep. so she's like what is this box doing in here okay uh okay they decide to go back to the house to open the box 
for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And here is the interesting, and I have watched this several times to get the sequence right. Okay, so here's what happens. Betty, Betty and Rita go in together, and they go mm-hmm. into the bedroom, right? Betty puts the box down on the bed. Camera's still going. Mm-hmm. Camera then moves as Rita goes to the closet, takes out the hat box, which is where they put the purse with the money mm-hmm. and the key. She turns around, same, oh, wow. same, same camera movement, no cuts. Yep. And she says, Betty? Betty? Where's Betty? Where, where'd Betty go? And she, then she starts speaking in Spanish for some reason, saying, where are you in Spanish? Donde esta? Mm-hmm. And then she gets back to the room and decides to open the box. Mm-hmm. Right? So she puts the key in the box. She opens the box. I think this is almost an entire single take. Mm-hmm. Right? She opens the box. The box opens like a mini safe. Mm-hmm. But you look in the box and it's completely dark. Look, there's little blackness. blackness, right? Camera goes into the box. Then you see the box drop onto the ground, open. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans back and you see Aunt Ruth wandering mm-hmm. around. What was that noise? <laughs> and walks out. Right? Yep. And then it's got this strange jump cutty transition, similar to what we did from Easy Rider, where we do what's that what's that called? Where it goes click 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 click. Yeah, exactly. When it cuts back and forth. Instead of doing a dissolve, it's a uh, a stutter cut. Stutter cut, that's what mm-hmm. it is. And it and that stutter cut goes into the apartment that Diane lived in. Mm-hmm. Right? And of course, as you should always do in any movie that involves something creepy and scary, you move the camera forward. <laughs> camera <laughs> yes. moves forward, right? right? Camera moves forward, slowly entering the room, and you see the girl that was dead mm-hmm. in the bed in the same lying on her side, lying right. on her side, same position that you found her when she was dead. Mm-hmm. And then you see the cowboy walk through and tell her, "Time to wake up, little girl." Mm-hmm. And then after that, you hear um, knocking on the door, knocking, 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 knocking. Mm-hmm. And then Diane turns out she's not dead. Mm-hmm. Gets up. Yep. Right. Looking a little haggard. Looking a little haggard. Also looking exactly like Betty. <laughs> she is Betty. She is Betty. <laughs> right. Yep. Only now she is Diane. She is Diane. And we know she's Diane because she answers the door and the neighbor comes by. Mm-hmm. And as Eric said, yes, they were lovers. Mm-hmm. She said, I want my stuff, like my lamp and my dishes. Mm-hmm. And so Diane gives her her stuff. And then there's that a blue key that's left on the table, right? Is that what happens? Yeah, I believe that's yeah. right. Yeah. Another blue key. But this is not the same key that was in the box. It looks like a regular house key. It just happens to be dyed blue. Or blue. Yeah. Like it's got it's a shitty metal. Yeah. Right. It's not the fancy weird blue key. It's, it's, a, it's a Okay, so at this point, we start to realize this whole story's gone sideways. This is not a <laughs> linear story anymore. <laughs> right. This has gone completely... It's, two, it's two-thirds of the least through the, through the movie. And it yeah. goes, okay, let's fucking change everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's like, okay, so now her name is Diane. Mm-hmm. And it's the other... It's anodized. That's correct, uh, uh, Jason. Yeah, the anodized uh, uh, key, key, uh, the blue key. Okay, so now it's a, 
So then, <laughs> Diane. Uh, so, so now the next thing is, uh, she is in the apartment and she's topless and she goes to the couch to make out with Rita. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. Rita's there and they're just getting busy and mm -hmm. she is really into it. Uh, Diane now. <laughs> right. right? But Rita tells her we shouldn't do this anymore. And she uh -huh. gets super aggressive towards yes, Diane. Super bad. Yeah, yeah. Like she's like, no, she puts her hand down her pants. Like I'm going to, we're going to have sex together or whatever. Like right. super aggressive. Yeah. And then uh, Rita says, no, we can't do this anymore. We have to, we have to stop. And then she says, it's, it's because of him, isn't it? It's because mm -hmm. of him. And he's like, okay, let's. And so now we can see that. Diane is very upset at this mm -hmm. situation. Then we are on set and Rita is now on set. And we quickly realized that Rita is now her name is Camilla. Camilla. That's right. So Rita is actually Camilla, not the Camilla that we saw early in the movie that right. got cast. Camilla, the other Camilla is uh, this sort of as a blonde woman, another blonde mm -hmm. woman. And yeah, and this is a totally like, totally different so it's it is uh it is rita is actually camilla right and then we will soon see who the other blonde woman is in relation to that right yes so betty is now diane mm -hmm. and rita is now camilla mm -hmm. right okay now adam is trying to give pointers to the actor and he says i'm not trying to tell you how to act but you know you should do it a little bit more like this and it's a scene in a car, right? Mm -hmm. And he just starts thinking like how to how to make out with her, and he just starts macking, hardcore. Now, yeah. interestingly, Rita is into it, or not? Sorry, not Rita. Camilla is into Camilla it. Camilla is into it. Yeah, right. And so they're all doing well, right? And then, but Diane is on set witnessing all of this and is just enraged with jealousy. But she tells her to watch too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it. Let there's her some, stay. Yeah, yeah, let her stay. Yeah, like there's there's some bad shit going on. And Camilla's just treating Diane like terror. Crap. Yeah, she's just yeah. just a bad person. Right. Just a bad person. Really, and there's all the massive jealousy of what's going yep. on. Yep. And then it's the opening of the movie again. <laughs> mm hmm Suddenly. Which is Pardon. the 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 uh, the uh, limo driving ball on the Holland Drive, right? Mm -hmm. Except Diane is in the car, not Camilla. Right. And they're like, wait, the car stops. It's like, you're not supposed to stop here, mm -hmm. right? But instead of them trying to kill her, uh, Camilla shows up, find a secret passage to the house. To go up to the house, right? And this shot is a really lovely, poignant shot for me. Like when they're walking through the path, to right. the house is really beautiful and haunting. And I yeah. just want to, like, and it's I, got that, that, it's got that, that beautiful, like anywhere on top of the Hollywood Hills when you're looking down on the valley. Or oh, whatever. it's yeah, it's just incredible. And like yeah. it, it's weird because like you've seen Camilla be a, be obviously a bad person to Diane. But like this one scene where they're walking together, like it sort of encapsulates the real love that they 
that at least Diane was feeling like there's a romance to going through this weird, I don't know, like garden. But do you believe setting. that it's real at any, at that point? I, well, yeah, like I think that this, it's just representing the feeling that Diane really has, you know, like this, this like, so like, it's not just, I am angry at Camilla or anything like this. Like there's a real, like heavy, like the music is beautiful. The scene is strange and they're walking together and like, it's, it sort of captures like some prehistory to the whatever badness is going on. So you're just like, they must have like, they had a relationship that was, that she thought was valid. And she's, yeah, it's, it's basically back. like, yeah, you know, well, then she continues to treat her like shit. Oh yeah. I mean, Camilla is still doing the Camilla thing, but you can right. really get, you get an emotional point of view from Diane. Of like, it's a, but it's also, hopeful. she's hopeful, but I think that Camilla's doing on purpose. Like she wants her to feel yeah. hopeful. So that Absolutely. when she gets up there, like she can treat her like shit. Like, yeah. She yeah. knows she's going to get married. Yeah. Right. Like she's just going to fucking smash this. Absolutely right. Smash it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, so they arrive at the house and guess whose house it is. It is the director's house, Adam's yes. house. Right. Uh, also find out that the landlord is now the mother, his mother. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Adam's mother. Adam's mother is the former landlord for, uh, for Betty. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, okay. So they are now at a party. Camilla is continuing to antagonize Betty. Mm-hmm. Betty is being smacked down quite a bit. Very sad. But then she makes out with the director in front of her. This is her off. And he leaves. And then the actress who was playing Camilla in the other, the earlier part the of the other movie, Camilla, right. the other Camilla, she shows up. Do we know her name? She doesn't say her name, right? I don't think I don't she gets the name. Right. Right. Yeah. She shows up. And then she whispers something to the new Camilla mm-hmm. and then makes out with her mm-hmm. in front of Betty again. Yep. No chance, this, Betty. Yeah. <laughs> this trend, this just sends, not Betty, sorry, Diane. This Diane. sends Diane into a tirade. Yeah, And she goes, ah, and she turns around and it's a great transition because she turns around like this and then it cuts to a scene in the diner mm-hmm. where she turns around in anger because there's a noise in the diner. Someone drops some plates. plates. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a great match cut. Yeah. It's, it's a great right. match cut. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. yeah, true. Um, and then she's talking to the dumb hitman who, hit who, who, who killed all those folks. Yeah, exactly. Right. right? Who did, who did the, the terrible job, botch job stuff. And so and she, he has his little black book with him. There's a little black that, he, that he stole from the guy. Yeah. Right. Right. But all we know is he's not a very good hitman. Right. Yes. <laughs> he's a fucking shitty Hollywood criminal. Like right. he's, he's not like, he's nobody. Right. And so she's, he says, well, are you sure? Because the minute you hand me that money, then it's all Deal's over. done. The deal is done. Done. Right. And it's like, yeah. And then he says, and then, and then he says, I will, uh, I will, I will leave you this key. After it's all done at the place I told you, I think that's mm-hmm. what he says. Like yeah. that. And then she said, where does, what does it open? And he just snickers at her. Right. Right. <laughs> and then you see the guy from the diner first diner scene yes. at the counter. Yes. Looking at them. Yep. And that's it. Yep. That's the only thing. Right. Yep. Okay. 
All right. Then we get to her in her apartment, really upset, mm-hmm. spiraling out of control. Yeah. Depressed. Depressed. Angry. Crazy. Angry. Believably yeah. so, too. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like the performance, the entire tone of the movie, we should say, has changed. Like yeah, it's gone from totally. it's gone it's gone from luminous Hollywood story to like gritty realism of a depressed yeah, uh, and collapsing person. Yeah. yeah, the shittiness of Hollywood is definitely being revealed. Right. And and, then, and and Naomi Watts' performance is is equally realistic. Yes, like she's she's, she's, her, she's, she's no she's, longer Betty. She's right. put her performance. Yeah, the, all of her Diane performance is very real. This, yeah, it's one hundred percent. This is an actual person right. who is. Uh, living in a shitty apartment, can't get up, can't get work. Uh, everything has failed relationships. Yep, yep. Has Honestly. seen has seen someone uh, who she was probably in, an, in a, a relationship with, uh, like become successful in a way that she is not becoming. Like right. her career is a failure, and everything is a disaster. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, then she starts to have, she starts to have illusions. or something weird happens. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Where the old couple from the airport come in as miniatures under the crack of yes. the door. Well, so she weird. she receives the she's got the key, right? Did she get right. the key back? Yeah. yeah. So she gets the key, and that's when she starts. Like so, essentially, the deal's been done, right. and that's when she starts losing her. Like the and one one of the most one of the saddest scenes in the movie. Is when she, um, when she, when when she masturbates on the couch. That was so good, dude. It's so fucking heart wrenching to me. It's insane. Yeah. Like she's angry and crying, and she's trying to get off, but she can't get off. And just like it's fucking horrible. It's horrible. Like it's yeah. so desperate and lonely and uh, and self hating, and it's a brilliant, brilliant performance. And all you can see is like. Like you see from her point of view, the ceiling going in and out of focus, you know, and right, it's just, yeah. it's just That's an true. incredible, incredible bit of filmmaking and a terrific performance from Watts. Yeah. And, uh, and so when she finally gets the key, you know, like she's, she's lost like, uh, this, she is like the assassin or whatever he is, has done whatever he said he was going to do. And now it's all fucked. Like and she started, and her her mind starts, yeah, you know, going, 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 really desperate. Yeah. And so the 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 these weird characters are coming under the crack of the door. Everything else, and then she she kills herself. <laughs> and then yeah, exactly. Like she's going crazy with guilt and shame and everything else, and it gets quite manic and very hallucinatory. And then she pulls a gun out of the drawer, blows her own head off. <laughs> right yeah that's it that's the movie and that's the end of the movie exactly yep. yep so so yeah okay so what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> so what did i mean <laughs> yeah what, what, what were you what, what what were your uh impressions as the movie changed um i got interested in it i didn't expect i mean because it almost becomes like a weird sci-fi thing right like <laughs> right like and yeah. i didn't expect that in this i expected a much more traditional mystery mm-hmm. right but i knew that you know once we once they went to the the 
it was the tone changed to me when they went to the theater to see the silencio yeah that's the first like big break where you're like this something weird is happening like something supernatural big break because you started to feel this is not real well because he literally tells you everything is an illusion so you know like okay wait hold on something it's gonna get weird right? right like so I think that's why, basically where, where yeah, it. it's it's the first the uh, first time where the movie sort of breaks the rules of moviedom. You know, it's right. like things are happening that aren't allowed to happen in the kind of movie that you're watching, right? You know? And like, there's a hint of it in that, like, she is actually an incredible actor. You know, like that's that that feels like a like what the fuck is going on? Like, I mean, and by comparison, like. You know, any other weird shit like the cowboy seems realistic compared to her being a great actor. You know, uh, right. and it's a, it's a total shock. But when yeah, once you once you hit the club silencio, like that's when things become sort of become unstable. Right, 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 right. So so yeah, it's very very interesting, like how how that all right that all happened, and it it's just but there's the tone changed. It's just like the whole movie changed and suddenly you're like, wait, wait a minute. You you kind of question like, okay, what's going on and how is it going to change again? Right. Is it going to go down? Is this a time travel film too? That's another <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Like, yeah. Right. 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 Because obviously something happened is the box. You go in the box and then your box is to an alternate universe in some right. ways. Like, I mean, I think yeah. that's what, and the other thing that was interesting was like, Betty put the, box on the bed and then mm-hmm. betty disappears from the scene mm-hmm. did she go into the box <laughs> but the box was never opened right yes, yes. or is there is, is the box what yes, is the box what's what in the box? the box and then did did rita imagine it's betty mm-hmm. right it's interesting yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it so is that is that what it was that was going on i think this movie is very i mean I, i'll say what i think it is if you want me to say it yeah sure but like I think that this is the the very first shot of the movie, the very first shot, and it goes by because you don't even know what's happening yet, mm-hmm. is uh, a point of view camera uh, going down on a pillow, and it goes to black. And the the next two-thirds of the film are Diane's guilty, shameful dream of everything in her life. And then she wakes up and her reality comes back to her. And so everything that you're seeing is versions and aspects of her her real life um, being voiced. Mixed together. Oh, I see. And, uh, and it's like, so you have, you know, and like all the, like the, and it is really, now I look at it, it's like, this is probably the greatest dream film ever made. Like this feels so much like a dream. I didn't realize it was a dream. The first okay. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So you believe that basically the entire beginning is mm-hmm. the dream that Diane is having when she's 70% asleep. of the movie is a dream. And that then, is. so, so it's a dream and that's why the acting is all weird and right. Right. like that she's, she's all... in this luminous version of hollywood that she was dreaming it would be right yeah and she's solving crimes and she's right. a woman who has insomnia yeah. in the beginning she's kind of a naive good girl yep exactly. right like she's right she wishes this were the real the reality so and then she dreams of her relationship her blossoming relationship with 
uh, with, uh, uh, with Camilla. Uh, Camilla, but right. turns out Camilla, you know, Camilla's just using her. Right. Like, so Camilla's like, been, so that's when when she wakes up, she's in a much more real state. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Exactly. Yeah, because like this is the thing is I think that like both I think it's like something along that the actually makes like, a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah. Like Cam- Camilla and her were you know they're they're both trying to become successful actors, and they probably were both up for the same role. Right. And then Camilla gets it, and then and she's Diane like, oh, stick around. And, yeah. You know we exactly. Like, she gets a fucking second banana roll. And, uh, and then, uh, then Camilla hooks up with the director, you know, and like, uh, and so like Diane has this whole like reasoning going on in her dream state of just like, these are the reasons why I didn't get the role. I didn't get the role because the mobsters were behind it. The mobsters, it's old Hollywood. It's the whatever it is. And I like, I, cause I, chance. yeah, like it's, I'm a genius actor, obviously. And you can see that. And the yeah. jitterbug competition is so strange. <laughs> exactly. This is just not how yeah. you get a job. Exactly. That does not happen. These things. Don't yeah. That well, makes no, a lot of I think that's what that woman had. The older actress that was mm-hmm. played the landlord. I think that was her probably how she got into the business. Yeah. Like that's an old story. That's an old yeah. story. You know, like that makes sense. Um, but all this stuff is like, so like when, you know, she's at, she's dreaming about uh, like, like the two guys at Winkies, like, that's her and the assassin essentially like she's she's right. dreaming that scene again and she's like she knows something fucking terrible comes out of this that she doesn't know what it is and like essentially she finds her like the guy finding the woman in the dumpster the weird monster woman like that's the that's the true diane like it's she's a monster yeah she is she's discovering that she's a monster you know like this is the worst possible thing right and, and uh and so like you have like like the like she like she and she has the dream about you know like the part of the dream is about that makes yeah yeah, that makes a lot more sense because basically that means that when she was in the diner Mm -hmm. with the guy she saw the other guys and though that's why she inserted him into her dream as that whole sequence yep right Right. and that's how she managed that because it's okay so to me at first i was like i thought that (laughs) it's when you go into box, you're actually going in the past. Yeah, you're sure. Go- right. But you're going in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's like, the thing is, I mean, like, nobody, like, Lynch has never validated any of this. No, he's never validated. But really what it is, is like, she's dreaming of her, her early days and happy days as yes. a young actress, which is yep. a lot more ambitious. And, and now she's a fucking failure who lives in the shittiest part of Hollywood. And like, the, she's, you know, her ex is like, hitting it big with this director and, you know, and then she's in a relationship like, that she had another relationship with the other neighbor. Yep, the other neighbor didn't go well. Didn't go exactly. well at all. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, and I love that each one of them like has because Camilla's hooked up with the blonde, uh, who is the Camilla of the dream, right? And it's like she's this sort of like Dianified version, right? And the next door neighbor that that uh, Di- that Diane hooks up with has a Camillaness to her, you know, like like they're like, and then they also. They wear blonde wigs at one point. And they both wear blonde wigs. Like it's just like yeah, because like the, she wants, like she wants to romanticize Camilla. It's just like, what if you weren't the betrayer? Like, what what if you were the person? What if you could forget that all this nonsense and just have amnesia about it, and then I could just have you to myself, right. and uh, and you can, and then you become more like me, like 
uh, to the point where you're literally wearing a wig that makes you look like me, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so the, like the, the desperate sort of, I don't want to say narcissism, but like the, 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 I guess, I don't know. I guess that's the best word. Like the narcissism of her love for Camilla is really interesting to me because like, it's like she was in love with Camilla for sure. But the vengefulness of like Camilla becomes successful and she doesn't and all like she wants to bring Camilla down to her level. Right. Uh, like, please like just live with me in my special little house. Don't, you know, like be, be like me, be, be, be Diane. Uh, don't become Hollywood superstar. And, uh, and so when like that love scene between the two of them is so, it's so beautiful uh, and it's so real, but it's also like, this is how it also represents how everything that Diane loses and everything that she, like everything that she will never have again, you know? Right. And, uh, and to sort of bookend that with when she's, when she's masturbating on the couch is like, well, it's just like the loneliness is so extreme in that film. It, it's really heartbreaking every time I right. see it. Really, really amazing film. Right. But it is interesting because it totally takes, and for a good reason, it takes the 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 the, uh, the audience in a con- state of confusion. Yeah, exactly. Like you, like you want to believe in the dream as much as anybody else. Like you're just like I'm in a consistent world where things can be wonderful, you know. Right. And uh, and once that starts to fall apart, like it, you like you can't help but be incredibly unsettled. But do you think but he you could have made it more? Wrong. Do you think yeah. he could have made it more clear that it was a dream, or do you think because I, I do, think, I do like, because uh, you do because what there is this impossible realism to it where it's like oh, it's oh I'm going to have a good time and, and yeah. goodbye dear at the airport and yeah, I'm in stuff. and right. I see that the you know the Hollywood in the distance as I leave crappy yeah. LAX it's yeah. just like okay, there's, that's the kind of op, naive optimism of the late 40s and 50s. Right. But yeah, that was the clue. Like, this is potentially not real. Well, what's really you know, funny like, is that, like, well, the cowboy, the cowboy says it's time to wake up. Time right? to wake up. Yeah, it's time right? to wake up. So You'll see me one more, see me one more time if you're good and well, two more times if you're bad. No, but I'm saying <laughs> right. when, you, when you start the film and you see the, her at the airport and coming, there's and the way she talks to the woman at the house, which that house is, wasn't far from where he used to live, mm-hmm. um, is, is just not real. There was like right. this kind of strange dialogue. And we mentioned it earlier, like it was almost like they almost forgot their lines, but it was yep. forced yep. to give it a sense like this is it's, not real. It's hammy. No it's one awkward. is this. Right. No one is this naive. Right. It, this, right. There's something that's not real about this. Yep. And that's the thing. And then but- once everything else comes in there's a there's also a surreal violence like the cowboy was surreally and, and violent and scary everything yeah. was over the top like the thug guy was huge guy yeah huge right it was right. just all this and you know, like those details like the pink paint is a wonderful detail like that's a dream detail like that's something that happens in a dream you're like what the fuck is that <laughs> like, yeah. you're just, you're just yeah. left with it you know but the uh, thing is what a lot of well, nobody forgets, but for me, I've always loved Lynch because he started out as a painter. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this again. I'm like, man, he's just like Rauschenberg. He just Rauschenberg has these presets of concepts and visual cues, and then he just starts layering them and materials yeah. and building the contrast of color and texture, but with those configured set, whether it's yeah. a space 
stuff or John F. Kennedy or found stuff. And he does the same thing. He just kind of layers this stuff, mm -hmm. which he has this preset. And the only time where he really says this is all a painting is when she answers, the, she's in her jeans. Mm -hmm. But then when she answers her phone, that's actually, I mean, to me, I was like, wait, that's a hopper painting because of the light yeah. and the color. And she, yeah. there, that is a hopper painting. And I'll find it now and, and post it for you guys. Yeah, that, the lonely apartment that. look. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, and that's it. That was like a painter. Um, yeah. And that was because she was in her jeans masturbating. And then all of a sudden the phone rings, she gets up and she's in that outfit. And it's yeah. all a painting. It's all these yeah. montages. Yeah, it's of, beautiful. beautiful. And um, so for me, it's like, he had this concept and he just kind of pastes stuff together. And, you know, he is kind of does that assemblage, the uh, mm -hmm. or whatever thing. That's his style too of artwork. Mm -hmm. And right. it is that it's kind of, you know, here are my characters or pieces and I'm mm -hmm. building a story from that. And yeah, and because like all this stuff so extreme, right? Because like he's the, the reason why he doesn't want to tell you what, what's going on in his movies is because he wants you to tell you, but he doesn't know himself. He well, it's, it he's digging together. This, he's digging this stuff up. Like he's yeah. put it like, and I think it makes perfect sense to him. And I think it makes perfect sense to me, but I'm glad that he didn't tell me. Because like I, no, I want you that. Don't want to know. Yeah, like I, I want to understand it for my experience of this, of this movie, and I think that's what he wants for the audience. He doesn't. He's not like I'm not here to interpret this for you, like you interpreted that, it that for idea you. of like you don't want to know. Yeah. If that was a true story and the girl died, mm -hmm. everybody in her hometown is like, oh, I yeah, don't even want to. It's horrible, horrible. How and it's that a very happen? common story. And you know, it's just that you don't want to know. Yeah. And, and like that's the the beauty of it because the thing is like now when I the first time I saw it I was the same with you Chris I was just like I loved it I don't know what the fuck that was I have no idea what just happened like I couldn't right. I, I didn't get it at all you know and now I've seen it so many times like now I'm now I'm like how did I not see what was yeah like, right in front of me yeah it's, it's like it's weird but it it's makes great. total sense but uh, but I think let, let's let's go back to that a little bit and talk about that situation because there are movies that are like you know like. Uh, the sixth sense, right? Yeah. Tell me if it's coming. Or it's like, aha, he was dead the whole time, and they're like, right. but like, but yeah. this doesn't tell you that. Here's, right. the, well, the, here's what I was thinking. Pardon me. This is yeah. what I was thinking. Check the chat. See if that comes through. Um, that's the painting I thought about when I saw it. I was like, wait a minute, that's a hot. Say, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. It's great. And right? like, in fact, like not only like this is if this is the painting he's referencing, it's even more brilliant. Like this is it for anyone uh, listening. The lamp, the yeah, lamp like, on the table. I think she exactly has like a chinwasari right. type of whole, whole new level of brilliance for this movie. Everybody, okay. So like, uh, this is the uh, like uh, for people that are just listening to this. The painting is Edward Hopper's. Uh, where is it? New York movie. Yeah, and uh, it is a it's a painting of a a, a woman. In like she, she must be it looks like she's a bellhop or something like this. Yeah, she or, works at the movie theater. Works in the movie theater, and she's waiting in the sort of the lit half of a hallway outside of a movie theater as the movie is playing. And like I, and once you pointed out the lamp, I was like, "That is the fucking lamp. That That's is exactly it. the he's, lamp. That's one hundred percent." And so this is about a woman who is outside of the movie business. Like she can't be in the same room with the dream that's happening. Like that's right. utterly brilliant, 
utterly brilliant. Yeah, that, good caller. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I've never saw. I've seen this painting many times. I never made the connection. That's yeah. Right. When I 100%. saw, I was like, wait a minute. That's Hopper down to like because I love yeah. that style uh, oh, that yeah. period. Like I'm a huge Ashcan fan, and he yeah. was trained by um, you know Robert Henry, who was like really the, the master of that school of turn of the century. You know, getting the gritty New York, and yeah. then he went off to do his own thing, and uh, it it captures that's, this mood. Uh, that's incredible, and you know most. Production designers love. You can't go wrong with Hopper, dude. Oh, dude. I mean, I, I think that that's that. Like, it's like when we were talking about um, um, uh, uh, uncut gems last week, and uh, and I I dropped the bit with uh, that. You know, it's actually the it's uh, the Safdie architect is there is there a great oh, Moshe Safdie, yeah, Moshe Safdie. I mean, like that's the 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 look that you had in your face when I said that is the look that I I think I just had on my face when you said that that's a Hopper painting and then showed me the Hopper painting because I'm like. That's the cherry on the Sunday of this movie for me now. <laughs> like, like, I'm just telling like, you, he used that. that. That's totally like that. Totally made, that that validates what we're saying about the film. Like, that's exactly right. It's uh, it's really really something. But that's the thing, dude. It's like with the, with the like I'm fine with movies that explain what happens. That's okay. But it, it but it doesn't come from me, you know. And it doesn't like when Sixth Sense goes, he's a ghost, right? And I'm like, right. oh, it's a surprise. But I didn't. It didn't occur to me. But it's a one-liner. It's a one-liner. Yeah. I, yeah. I hated that movie because, like, first of all, I figured it out earlier, so therefore the whole movie's over. At that point. Yeah, it's, it's a long movie once you know. <laughs> it's a long right. Movie. It's like if you figure it out in the first half hour, and then you're just going to wait till the end. It's like, what's the point of me staying yeah. in this theater? And that's the point. All of his movies are like that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like, sorry, I'm talking about M. Not Shyamalan. I think. Yeah. Who is so like, a very talented filmmaker in terms of his actual shooting? Me. He yeah. could be, but I think his ego got the best of him, and he was like, he was trying, he was trying to do like, he was a person making what he thought was smart movies, but only dumb people liked them. Because like, well, I'm what, sorry, Signs was terrible. Yeah, well, Signs is really good up until the end. Then it's then it's retroactively incredibly dumb, you know. And like right. the the problem was the one with the people falling out of the sky or whatever the hell that one was. Oh yeah, the the there's people? there's loads of things wrong with the happening, but yeah, like, the happening, and then and then the village was. I mean, it, it went to like it. They're all one liners. Yeah, like these are like his I'm actual like filmmaking. His scene to scene filmmaking skills are excellent. Like his his framing is good. He takes his time. Do you remember like, when oh, his first really movie really came good. out? They said he's the next Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah, and he definitely heard that boy. <laughs> that that no one should have said that because that definitely wrecked his career. Like, because I feel like that dude, like he has wonderful, um, he has wonderful imagery. He has uh, he builds the scenes really nicely when he's doing a a set piece. Uh, he's got excellent, like real filmmaking skills to him. But the the real problem with him is that he it isn't so much that he's an egotistical, you know, narcissist who wants to put himself in his movies, which a lot of people say. Uh, there are plenty of egotistical narcissists who make great movies. Um, sure. The problem with him is that he doesn't trust the audience. Like he thinks huh. the audience is dumb, so he treats them like dummies. Which is what Lynch did not do. In and Lynch film. does not do that. Lynch does not do that. Lynch is like this. If he this gives is you a mean challenge. Anything, yeah. yeah. If this is going to mean something to you, it has to mean something to you. I can't tell you what it means. Right. You know, and by letting it be yours. <laughs> That's why the movie is so special because like there's plenty of movies that are shitty because like it was all a dream in the end, you know, like, but in this, the fact that it's a dream is the saddest possible thing. Like 
Uh, oh, sorry. Really emotional about this movie. Like, it's so heartbreaking. And it's only more heartbreaking the more you see the movie. Like, it's a, it's a real sad, sad film to be watching. Yeah. And she's it's amazing. She's, yeah, she's devastated. Yeah. And, and, and like, and people think of Lynch as just like, oh, he's just weird to be weird. Like, I mean, he's got something really powerful to say uh, with this movie. And he just doesn't want to say it. He wants you, wants it to occur. To what you. I think is weird is, was interesting. Okay. Here, this is an interesting thing. You normally, if you were to tell this story in a traditional way, mm-hmm. right? You would go through her entire journey and slowly see her downfall happen. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. right You'd right, see right. it. It'd be like, I don't know, like, if you did a good job, like Scarface, you know, like, if you did a really good job, you'd get Boogie Nights. Like, Boogie Nights tells this right. kind of story. Right. right. So, so you slowly see that it's downfall for, yeah. of her right. career. Right. And that would be true. But instead of doing that, he makes it completely surreal. Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole, you know, now that you say it's a dream sequence, totally makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Makes this whole dream sequence, and then, uh, and then obviously, you know, but the thing is, what's what's strange is that you don't get the character development that you originally had, right? You're thrown into suddenly this is Diane. Yeah, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> wait, what? What's oh. Diane? I thought she was dead, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she is inside, <laughs> and she soon will be outside. Right you now, but like, yeah, when she's uh, like when she sees, you know, sees the body on the, uh, she like, sees herself. Basically. She sees she's seeing herself, and so like that's why when I watch it now, and you hear lines like "It's weird calling yourself," like you go, "Yeah, that's what the dream is doing for you right there." Yeah, it's but like, it was Rita who said that. It's Rita because, but but again, like Rita is just an like Rita in the dream is an aspect of Diane. Like it's sure. not the real Rita. We see the real Rita, and the real Rita is a fucking jerk. <laughs> you know, right. like uh, the uh, but the dream, the dream, uh, the dream Rita, uh, the dream Camilla, uh, is everything that Diane. It's not just everything Diane wants uh, in terms of a person that she wants to be with. It's everything she wants to have happen to her. Who is the monster yeah. behind the diner? Is I, it- the, the the actor is a different actor. I, no, no, I know. Yeah, like symbolically, I think, I, I think it's supposed to be Camilla. It, yeah, yeah that's years true. later, but right. I noticed yeah. I thought that too on this round, but then the hands were a man's hand. On the last yeah, one, like uh, the the actor uh, has been in a number of things, um, but like I think it's like I think it's Camilla. I think it's I think it's Diane. You know, I think it's like like this is this is her the thing that she, she is. Who is the you, actor? Roy Trapridge. I, I, good old Roy, man. I haven't seen him since that movie with uh, Ernest Borgnine. But yeah, the um, uh, but like I think that she is it, that that creature is symbolic of what Diane fears the most. Like yeah, like it's literally a homeless woman in Hollywood. Yeah, living behind a dumpster, you know, and that's where she's headed. Like that's yeah. where she's headed. That's where she's going to end up. But like, she was fearing that, but then she didn't. She offed herself. Yeah, if she if she hadn't killed herself, she would have literally become that that woman. I know, you know, because like the next stop is like, well, use lots of drugs, and then next stop after that is homelessness, and next stop after that is living behind the, the fucking Winkies. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, that's pretty right. much it. You know, 
but also I do I do agree with you that it's also it, there is a Camilla like the it's the it's the knowing. I think I think no because here's here, here's why I think it's Camilla because she is in the she's in the diner making mm. the deal to get Camilla off right yeah right and so right. that that that's the moment where she's like that's when I you know when you pass me the money it's over it's right over. well and yeah so. So that's when she passed the money. She sees that other guy and she says, "Oh my God, this oh, is the, this is the moment." <laughs> she didn't actually kill her herself, but the minute she gave the money away, that yeah. was the, that was that was the yeah. act. That, that was, was the act that, of doing that. Was that was the killing. And so she noticed that guy at the counter when she did that, and that's yeah. why he got inserted into her dream. Yep. And he's like, "I have this nightmare face." Yep. Right, that's and it. I'm terrified of it. Yep. So. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. brilliant. It's and like, because that's the way, like, that's certainly the way that dreams work for me, you know, like they have to do with my life, but like, it's all mixed up, you know, it's like it grabs images from things I just happened to see that day and plugs them into other things. And like, it's so accurate in how it represents that, that tone, um, that, like I said, I, I missed it. Like, it was just like, it felt so weirdly normal <laughs> you know in a way right uh that uh right. it's a, it's a, it's it's horrific to be snapped back to reality in that movie it's like get back to the dream dude this is this, this is the worst uh, yeah really, really insane really insane and i like i love i love i love Lynch across the board i think he's just incredible about, like, well he's, it's he's interesting really i mean there's a lot more to, to think about what 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 each of those weird elements were from the movie and now what they mean now that you've gone through that whole process but mm -hmm. just thinking about the thing is, Diane is acting very real, right? Mm -hmm. But Camilla and Adam mm -hmm. are both comically like they're still they they're still acting like they're in the dream. They're not acting, yeah, they, like because you're seeing it basically from Diane's point of view. Like you're still seeing that lens. You know, it's like right. they're the like Camilla and and uh, and Adam are are Hollywood villains now to her. Right, like, yeah, and it's just like you know they live in the hills, and it's fucking fantastic, and they're yeah, you know, like and Camilla's like being not just like uh, mean; she's being like, like she's trying to hurt she's her, really cruel. Like she's being like, like it's sadistic. Like she's sadistic. being sadistic, and uh, which is probably not really happening, but it is certainly how Diane feels. Right. Well, she does. <clears throat> she does kind of get bitchy with her like oh, she's sure. kissing the director yeah, yeah so there's sure. definitely a lot of elements of her like yeah like i don't think competing. that camilla is a good, i don't think camilla is a good person i think she's probably you know like diane is projecting an awful lot of her own dreams on camilla right know? and uh and so she's like the person that diane is fall, failing to fall in love with is herself right, like, hmm. right, right. and yeah. i think i think that that's the real key is like she's she's externalizing everything that's happening to her and uh and then what and then the flip side is she blames everything external when it's her fault you know like she 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 can't accept responsibility good and she can't accept responsibility bad yeah and she's also you know the fact is we, we witness her going into two relationships right mm -hmm. she has a relationship with in, in in reality shall we say she has a relationship with uh uh with uh with a neighbor and also has mm -hmm. a relationship with camilla 
Right. And it was interesting if you like go back to now, if like go back to all these different areas and think about what they mean, right? When she goes to the neighbor, no, we switched apartments, right? Mm-hmm. So that actually happened somehow. Like, mm-hmm. so that's part of the reality that was in there. Yep. Exactly. So, um, so yeah. yeah. It's, it's, re- it's really, it's one of these, it's one of these movies where I'm just like, I, like, I don't think anyone had, like, only David Lynch could have made this movie so well. Like anybody else yeah. would have been too literal about it or anybody else would have like given it away or explained it or any of that stuff. And, uh, and to have complete commitment, it's not even a movie that he can make, uh, at any other point in his career. Like it has to happen exactly the way that it happened. Right. But it wasn't easy as you were saying earlier. Right. Right. Like, I don't think this would have been as good if he had finished it as a TV show. Like, I think, I think it's an incredible blessing that it got canned, you know, and he was forced to sum it up as a tight little experience. You know, it's like, I, I must, he must have been devastated when he shot all this great stuff and then, and then uh, was, you know, got the rug pulled out from underneath him. But he persisted and it made him work harder to make something even better. You know, and I, I really, I admire the guy. I literally watch uh, David Lynch every single morning give the weather report and draw the number from the day from a bar, a jar of, uh, of, uh, lottery balls. And, uh, he's been doing it for years and sat- Saturdays and Sundays. And every single day on YouTube, he, he does it. He gets like another two minutes. And, uh, he's such a tremendous artistic inspiration just in that, that he's committed to doing this silly little thing. Like, it's just phenomenal. Like, I, I, you see, he's that utter hero of mine, absolute hero. Woody, didn't you send some weird David Lynch thing, Eric, to us like a few months or a year, a couple ago? I don't remember. It was some David Lynch in the Valley doing some weird doc, like art piece thing. Uh, somebody I know uh, was in his last film, but uh, last his television show that he did. Okay. The um, what was the last thing he did? Pardon me. Uh, uh, he's been working. He was working with him for a couple of years. There's a guy I know who worked with him. He did a, a bunch of Cartier things with him. He did some. Yeah, oh, no, nice. he was an actor in his show. In the um, okay, he did a new a couple new movies, or it's like a show he did like two three years ago. Um, and he was one of the stars. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Lynch, Lynch likes his people, man. You see the same crew pop up again, again, and again. Yeah, he's very much like um, Nashville um, Altman. Altman, yeah, I mean, he has like a troop, yeah, like an acting troop, yeah. Wouldn't you prefer that? Like, yeah, if you if you could have if you could just do it anyway, like, yeah. Definitely. I mean, wasn't the studio system an acting troop? Yeah, basically. I've always have you. I don't know. I've always I've always thought like I mean, the studio system. I don't have anything good to say about like the studio system was abusive and terrible for sure, right? But like, I feel that there is like a hybrid version of that that works. Like, do you? Like if you have a, it's like, cause Britain kind of does this. Like they have like shops where it's like, well, all the actors are all in the same, you know, they all work in the same shit. They always work together. The directors are all the same. We rotate them out and all this stuff. It's just that the studio system took advantage of it rather than did something good with it. Cause mm-hmm. it, it seems, it seems like the, it seems like being an actor shouldn't be such a, a uh, risky profession to get into. Like, if I feel like you should be able to get a job, like at a company, yeah, and you're and you're always going to have work every week doing something. There's plenty right. of fucking shit to be made, you know. 
Like, I don't know, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm just playing back. But that's blah, the blah, same. Blah. That's the same with art department. Mm-hmm. You know, same stuff. It's like, killed it, you know, in a way. Because the studio guys, art departments were brilliant. Great, great artists every day. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it's really so, like the way the way the industry works. It's like they backed. It's like Hollywood back uh, step backwards into operating the way that it does. And it's like it should work like theater, and instead it works like some weird cutthroat, <laughs> you know, horrible industry. Well, the seventies. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah, like it's better. It's better to operate with small crews that you always work with. Everyone knows each other. There's no egos. And you just uh, just jam through it because you see that in all Lynch's films. You see like Freddie Jones and you know like all these all these people come back again and again and again. And you know when he, when they show up on set, David you know Lynch is like, "Hey, Freddie," <laughs> you know, and it's a great yeah. time. So, what was the scene with the guy in the wheelchair? Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, like the like that. That's the immediate ho- like like uh, the immediate Hollywood. Uh, power structure, you know, is like yeah. there's a, there's just an unknown person. And you that know. was played by Daryl Hall of Hall and Oaks. Of course, Daryl, so good, yeah. so wonderful, even these days. Um, but yeah, that uh, like the network, like obviously associates the network of Hollywood today, Star as, Chamber type of. Yeah, exactly. It's like the, it's like the mafia plus plus, and yeah. the and the motivations of the, the sort Illuminati. Of, yeah, exactly. And Scientologists, and so the, even like this, 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 you know, like the the person in the wheelchair is just like has nothing to do with real everyday life whatsoever. Right. Like you, his his motivations are completely opaque, uh, and he's just like like in a way, I almost think that that dude is the is the audience. Like it's just making de- he's just making demands, and you don't know why. Like right. You have to service him, though. Like it's got to go the way he says, yeah, and uh, and we're just gonna follow whatever the fucking audience is, whatever they're gonna right. buy tickets to is what we're gonna make. All right, and, and I think that that's the uh, it's that that he's this very removed, you know, sort of uh, uh, a strange personality behind glass in a wheelchair that can't communicate with anybody. It's sort of fantastic. Yeah. Listen to yep. All right, I'll be listen. I I still want to talk about Seth, so we're not going to take a break. But I want to take a quick break because I have to surrender real bad. So there's a two minute break, and then we can get back to it. But we'll uh, more to come in two minutes. You guys know the drill. If you guys are subscribers, you will not have ads. If you are subscribers, you won't have ads. So Eric and Dan will chitter chatter for a couple minutes. That's what we do best. All right, be back in a bit. Chitter chatter. Chitter chatter. So did you ever finish Heat? I, I I got a new copy and I'm back at it. So I'll have a report very shortly. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm still with uh, uh, Chris Shahirless of Al Filmer in um, in Paraguay or wherever nice. he is. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, he's just met the uh, the daughter of the boss that he's working for. Oh, okay. So that's the that's that's basically where it's at. But I'm gonna try and fly through the rest of this week. What a fucking book, dude! Wow. And I even got the good stuff according to you. I haven't got to the, the Mexicali stuff. No, that's so good. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, that's I really, really good. I, I hope that he gets to make a movie out of this thing. I, it's, I don't know how he's going to do it. But I, yeah. Well, I hope that uh, Ferrari does good business. You know, it's like the, uh, it, like, I saw a picture of um, Adam Driver, who's in it, 
and they did a wonderful makeup job. He like is a sort of like older Ferrari, and uh, he's crazy. He looks great. So I think it's gonna work. Matt Travers, great actor. He is. He, he's like straight up out of the seventies Al Pacino level, dude. I love that guy. I love him. You know, be as many. He can be as many Star Wars movies as he wants, as long as he. Yeah, it keeps on pumping out all the other stuff. He's always good. Always, always good. Always good. Yep. But yeah, no, I'm yeah. very I'm very pleased with that book. That's that's really terrific. Really terrific. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And then I'm going to finish up my uh, people that can see the video. I'm going to finish up reading uh, here The Twilight World by Werner Ver- Ver- Herzog, his novel. How uh, is that? It's wonderful. Yeah, it's very short. It's very uh, It's very sad and slightly funny. And, uh, it's, you know, it's, um, it has the same tone as the narration that Herzog uses in his documentaries, you know, and, uh, it's, it's really quite excellent. So, uh, and I also just saw, I didn't know this, but a couple of years ago, David Cronenberg wrote a novel. So I might have to order wow. that as well and continue on with my director's series of, uh, of novelists. It's, uh, it's worked out well. So I love Tarantino's book. Yeah. Uh, I like he, he's spectacular. All right. It's worked out very well. Yo, yo. Well, I'm so excited for you, man. That's a, it's a rare thing when, uh, when like, I, there, I don't think there's a movie out there that I haven't, that, that is waiting for me to see it. Like that was waiting for you to see it. No, that's not true. I think there, well, I don't know. There's movies that you haven't seen that you've seen and you enjoyed out of nowhere, but not oh, yeah. something that's been sitting there. That's what I mean. Waiting. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where it's just like there might be I don't I don't know, um, but like all the big ones out of ever all the movies that people have told me to see, I think I've seen all the major ones, right. uh, and now I like there are probably there's yeah you know, probably like fifty or sixty movies that I know that that will be great when I see them, but Mulholland Drive is one of this like very special very special experiences. It definitely is, and I think it's got something interesting, in and like I think. I don't always like movies that force you to watch twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Right, because that's not, I don't think that's fair either. I think movies right. should be able to stand on their own. Right. Uh, well, movies should be, I think it's fair to say, like, movies should, if, you, if it's going to be a see it twice movie, the first time shouldn't be a bad time. Like, there shouldn't yeah. be a time where you're like, ugh, like, you know, that, Eric and I feel the same way about, about uh, Tenet. Yeah, a great it's example. forcing you to watch it twice right i know i as as you guys know i've come to love tenet i think Tenet that's because you tremendous. watched it twice but i shouldn't feel like obligated i, to I agree that. if there's a, if there's a flaw is like that movie is only a c minus the first no. time around no no when this yep. movie ended i knew i had to watch it again yep. but i loved the experience i had right already right right it's all it already delivered a meal it already delivered. it already delivered a meal and now it's just like the good aftertaste, maybe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I do you want have to see, to see a again. painting twice to understand it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Well, I, I would say that, like, my, my understanding. Like the next day. My, my understanding of things changes over time. Like, I, yeah. there are movies like, like Apocalypse Now. I think I said this on our, sh- on our show. Like, every time I see that movie, that's a slightly different movie. If I, yeah. if I wait, you know, like, I wait a couple of years and see it again, I'm like, I feel differently, you know, in a totally different way than I did the last time. It's like, it changes like you're, you know, like you're examining, you know, jewelry from multiple angles, you know, and That's as real age, art. It, it, it really, it really says something. That's real can, artwork. 
Yeah, exactly. Like it keeps on giving you something every time you come and look at it because it's mm. a, like ultimately it's a lens to look at yourself. That's what great art really does. You know, it's like look at your own beliefs, look at uh, your your internal workings, whatever it is. Like it's, well, it's art, just art is supposed to be reflective in some ways, right? Yeah, right. It's, it yeah. gives you a new viewpoint, and if you have changed, then your view of that art will have changed because it's you. right. Now look, let's go further into this, right? Because I think that there's more, you know, besides all that. Do you feel that this is a metaphor for Lynch himself and Hollywood? Yes. And I say that I just as it, I got some of it, yeah. Daniel a mouthful of spaghetti. <laughs> I feel absolute... like some of it is like the guy in the wheelchair is yeah. oh. complete lack Because of if you think about this fact, even this film itself didn't get wasn't gonna get made and yeah, it was they, fucked over. It was, was fucked, fucked over. over. And so yeah. in a sense this movie is a reflection. By essentially knuckleheads or cowboys. Yeah. You know, some dopey cowboy controls my life. <laughs> exactly. I can't. I can't get to make the movie that. Yeah. So I think that there's a reflection here. I think you're right, man. I think he is because when you hear him talk, like he never talks about, for instance, Dune. And now I think Dune is a. It's a broken movie, but it's a. It's a good movie. But it's uh, not the movie he wanted to make. It's not the movie he wanted to make. And and he uh, like they took control away from him. Did he quite hardcore or whatever? No, he did. Uh, yeah, he did on the long cut. Like he was just like, no, I'm going to take responsibility for what I put out. But this long, the, this like long cut bullshit that you guys released, like I don't want my name on that. It's even worse. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he is like he's so resentful of that experience that he rarely ever talks about it. And I think that that's the that's his vision of the Hollywood machine. He's just like, why why do people that don't care about art why are they in charge of art? <laughs> like right. why is this happening um, and yeah it's the, it's the cowboy yeah just like what the fuck is going on <laughs> like the cowboy's like hey man sometimes there's a buggy <laughs> I mean how many drivers a buggy have <laughs> one <laughs> one <laughs> that's the way it goes and, I, and you know and I gotta agree with him I'm just like because I unlike most movies that represent Hollywood like I, my experience in Hollywood is not an immediately negative one. Like I never met anybody who was a total fucking jerk. Like I met loads of nice, very nice, very smart, very interested people and everyone that I was pitching to about everything. Uh, but it does go nowhere and they are only interested in making like using you as an excuse to grind out the, you know, the pace they're going to sell. Right. They may be perfectly yeah. fine people, but like, like the me the mechanism, it's like this is a toothpaste machine. Well, I don't know what else you're talking about. Right. Burger in, burger out. Burger in, burger out. Like, right. uh, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> That's not what's going on here. And, yeah, uh, and I think that you know, if you little sort of, the, we're in a similar situation now with what's going on in Hollywood. You know, mm -hmm. it's pretty. It, I I had. <laughs> You guys know I, I I met with my my good friend uh, Donna yesterday, yep. and I was talking about stuff, and she's she was asking me about you know studios, and she said, "Oh, it's like don't the studio system right now." She said it herself, and this is a woman who ran fucking Universal. Yeah, she's <laughs> right? big time, dude. She's she's right? big time she as ran anyone Universal Studios, yeah. and she's like, the studios right now is like it's just broken. She said it herself. It was like, unless you're making Marvel superhero films, but, don't don't 
don't Universal, Warner Brothers, Paramount, yep. all those guys are are scrambling. They don't know what the hell's going on. It's just yep. the only place interesting things are happening right now is streaming. It's yeah, like, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's, it's, the only, it's like, that's great stuff. It's like now, you know, she was basically saying, like, a movie that's designed to be a theatrical release, it's not happening. So there are definitely movies that are yeah. streaming that they'll say, we'll, make, we'll put it out in theaters, you know, for shits and giggles. Sure. Yeah. Right? But it's really been designed for the streaming world. Yeah. Like, yeah. these are what the movies are now. They're not, you know, what's, what's a, an example? Like, oh, okay, Knives Out 2 is coming out. Sure. Yeah, right. I saw that trailer. Right. And right. It, it, it's not called Knives Out. I forgot what it's called. The, the Glass called? Onion. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so so I was like, okay, well, that looks cool, right? But sure. they're doing a theatrical release, but they don't really need to. Oh, they don't give a shit. They're just doing that to make sure they can secure the Academy Awards. Right. Like that's the, yeah. literally the only reason. It doesn't make any difference. They're not going to make right. any money off of the thing. Right. Isn't that sad? No money in movies. There's no money in movies. Uh, this, this is the thing. Like, the reason why fucking streaming has gotten... Like, and the thing is, I don't want to overblow it. Like, mo- 99% of television is still disastrously terrible. But mm-hmm. the reason why there have been examples of true greatness lately is because there are filmmakers who would normally be making movies for theaters now making cinema experiences for streaming. Yeah. That's like, right. this is what's happening. And, like, and like, also, when there is a huge demand. Okay, so the problem with the theater system is that there's literally only so many physical theaters to put yes. movies into right? right that's why there's shows by like what's show west or whatever where they basically have to the studios have to pitch to the theater systems how important their movie is and they decide how many screens they get on their on yes. the, of their movies right? right so there's only so many movies that go on to the theater now with streaming that's a billion screens yeah there's or, they're, they're, every like, house is a screen right yeah and like there's, so no, now, there's no limit. There's you know, always when. So that down. means that you can make all the movies. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As much cash as you can throw it. The only, the only limitation isn't like how many movies can be shown this summer. Mm-hmm. It's like all of them. Yeah, you can make it. Just make them. Just make them. As much money money as they is, they've been thinking like that. They still have a lot of debt to service. Oh, yeah. They still do. Well, You're absolutely right. At some right. points, the rooster's going to come to coop. Yeah. But. But the, the, the limitation of, like, we don't want to take any risks in the movie theater because we don't want to have a bomb, mm-hmm. right? Because the whole – think about the economy of the theater system. It was broken, man. Oh, it's – it's yeah. Broken. It's, 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 it's totally, didn't help. Yeah, it's totally and what's broken. also interesting now is that, you know, the – how you get paid is different. Yeah. Right? So producers, for example – Right, producers used to get this thing. Was like, I get points on the film if the point if the movie's a hit. I I'm rich, right? There's not that's not the case anymore. Now everyone just gets paid up front, up right. front, because there's no profit on movies anymore. There's no box office profit. There's no right? back end deal. There's no back end deal. No, so you just get paid a, a a so. normal amount. And now right. here's interesting. I talked to a friend of mine who's you know being big in the producer side of things as well, not Diane, someone else, but he was like. Now they're like, okay, we will pay you, you know, uh, your producer fee will be, you know, $1 million, $1 million. And like, oh shit, that's awesome. Okay. You get $1 million. It's like, yep, but it's going to take three years. (laughs) Right. Right. And you have to be completely exclusive to this project. You can't take on any other work. So suddenly like, okay, I'm a big, I'm a big producer. I know $300,000 a year sounds like a lot of money. 
but that's not as much money as a normal producer makes by a long shot. Yeah, exactly. No. Right. Most producers are making a million, two million dollars a year or right. some, something along those lines. Right. And suddenly like, nope, you're just getting 300,000 and you can't do anything else yep. <laughs> for the that's next that. three years. Yeah. You're locked in. Why are they doing in. that? So they just get totally them and, 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 or is it just to get rid of? No, it's because they like, like that's, that's the fee. Right. Yep. And there's enough, I know, but there's why enough projects. They... There's enough because there's enough projects out there that people are saying yes. Right. And they're just like, that's what the new, that's the new well, yeah, because minimum now it, wage. Yeah, look, it, yeah, exactly. Because like everybody in this, like the Coen brothers are basically journeyman directors to studios, so to, to streamers now. Sure. Like, like you just go like, listen, we're going to, we're going to get someone to come in and direct this fucking shit. So we'd like it to be you because you have greater name value, but don't get too high on yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 granted, that's that question... not always that's not always the case. Though, hold on a second, mm -hmm. Eric. Just one real quick question. That's not always the case because obviously the guys who did Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. right? Betty they got a so -so. shit ton of money mm -hmm. to do Lord of the Rings. Remember that? Right. Now they stepped away from that thing, but they still got a bunch of money on it. Like right. it was like a three hundred million dollar deal. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah, but they got that when. GOT was yeah, like, they made the deal it was, before it bombed. Yeah, they negotiated that deal up front yeah. probably when because they, they also got the Star Wars but deal. My, my thing is, and the question I was trying to ask earlier, yeah, is this is this exclusivity thing? Why are they putting that on producers? Like, do they really need to see them every day? No, so there is something behind keeping that low ball one million and spread it out over three years, but the exclusivity contract. Why are they doing that? Is what I'm. I'm curious. What's the modus? The, the what? What is behind? What's the motivation? That? I don't know. I don't know. I'll ask. You her know what I mean? I'll, because that's that's. Next that's time a, I see Donna, I'll ask her. She my guess that's is that's a big deal. <laughs> my, my guess is that essentially, like they want you to break your break your balls doing the thing, right? So you have to be exclusive and not be diddling away with other projects. Well, I think it's, it's literally, I think it's literally supply and demand. I think it's like, there's plenty of exactly. people who will do it for this much. Yeah. Right? Like I'm going to pay they, you to do a thing. I want you to be, only do that. For thing. A million I'm, sure Finch, I'm sure Fincher gets a deal with Netflix where it's like, he's got a X amount of year thing to make X amount of projects and he's yeah. doing great. Listen, he's doing great. And Fincher's but exclusivity, know, meaning he can only work on one project at a time. No, 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 no. He's well, that's what you that said. Deal, he's, he's not getting he, that deal. I'm, I'm talking not about saying the him. Producers. I'm just saying what? people in people in general. Guys, yes, guys, guys. regular producers. What, what, I'm asking, what I'm asking is, it doesn't have to deal with Ben. Sure. What I'm saying is, what is the reasoning why a producer who's got say four films under his belt can has to sign a deal where the only job he can do for three years is the film for the studio that's going to pay him a million up front? Well, I can take a crack at it if you want. Yeah, I know. I just I find that really kind well, of like there's right, something so, sinister behind that because they because What's they the end game? because they need a producer. They don't like, but there's no back end deals anymore. Like, so there's no points to get. There's no there's no points in the back end because there's no back end theatrical at all. Right, right. And they so, just pay they pay X amount of dollars. Right. So now it's, it's just there. a service job. Yes, it's a service. I'm, I'm going to pay you to do this thing for me. I need you to produce this movie. Right. And it's not like old fancy town where like you're a producer and you're working all around town and get all these things made points to the back end. No, this is a job I'm paid to do the job. And I expect you to be working on that job. day and in, So day they're out essentially saying they're just going to hire shitty producers. Yeah. It's a job job. It's like working at fucking Kmart. 
That's all it is. They're not going to get top notch. They're just going to say, go stand in there. That's the only thing you can work on. So well, they're going to get C level. Up, up to a point. Up to a point. No. What what A level guy is going to say you say yes you, to that, right? Well, say yes to hold that. on. Here's actually I'll tell you exactly. There is going to be a level where they need to get eyeball because they're still competing for eyeballs on the screen. Mm-hmm. And so at some point they need to hire quality ones to make sure that they're they get more attention than other ones. They are relying on word of mouth. Word of mouth is going to be very big in the It's streaming. the only thing that matters at all in streaming. That's the right. only thing that matters. The advertising doesn't matter in streaming at all. It's all word of mouth. That's the end of it. Doesn't, stars don't matter in streaming. Like, none of that. What's not up, all that's gone. What's up, No, Aaron? I just, it wasn't answered, but that's fine. I'm not going to... No, t- t- no, I'm sorry. I, I, just, I, I want to answer your question. I do want to answer your question. It was quoted to me that studios are saying to producers... You can only work for us. It's a three-year deal. It's a million dollars flat up front. That's what I said, yes. Yes. So I'm trying to see what producer would take that because in those three years, he could at least get on the A junior producer. Floor. Well, uh, yeah, right. that's what it is, the C-plus level because right. there's no right. way, you know, in that time, you can just meet other people and put a preliminary deal together on something else. And if that's a hit, you can be attached to seven projects. It might take seven years to make, but that's setting the groundwork. You can't do that. That's basically saying you used to work at UPS. Come produce for us. That that's what. Well, that's the answer. <laughs> like yeah, you have your answer. Crazy. That's what the that's what the answer. Yeah, that's crazy. But I you think know. I think that is true up to a point. But I do think that they're still trying to find golden boys, right? So the 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 general producers are getting that, but I think that other producers. There, there are still. I'm, sh- I'm sure there are producers that are getting ten million, twenty million, a hundred million dollar deals, mm-hmm. right? Definitely, like the guys from Game of Thrones or whatever, right? Like well, they're those, a proven entity. That's why. Yeah, and, and Fincher, listen, I'm, Fincher's doing stuff for Netflix. He's been doing stuff for Netflix. By the way, sorry. Proven entity, but, but more than proven entity, he started of it. Of course, he yeah. started yeah, so. it in Game of uh, House of Cards. Yep. House of Cards was a Fincher project that he's yeah. like, I'm going that, to that changed how it worked. Like changed yeah. all of Hollywood. So Fincher is the 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 beginning of this. Derek right? Roth is huh? Derek Roth wrote the pilot. Yeah, no, it's it's great. But like the the Fincher going in and he had Fincher had a vision as to how all this can work. Right. And Game of uh, like Game of Thrones, I want to say. Like uh, House of Cards felt incredibly new. Yeah, like, in terms oh, of streaming, it was that. just like holy shit. This is I remember, I remember, because I, I worked on it <laughs> briefly. I helped uh, with the uh, the inauguration scene in the the first episode mm-hmm. or whatever it was, or the pilot episode. And and then I remember Lisa telling me, uh, Lisa was our VFX producer on it, and she says, "Yeah, it's David Fincher." I was like, "Oh wow!" And it says, "It's for Netflix." And I was like, "Wait a minute, Netflix, Netflix is Netflix? doing." directly for netflix because netflix had done some i think they'd done some own productions but they were really small potato stuff dvd rentals yeah i know but then this was like oh this is big and i I remember thinking it's like this is going to change this is going to it's going to fuck up all of hollywood this this is why i say everyone looks at me crazy when i'm like it's you know the next indie breakthrough is going to be independent groups on youtube putting their shit up uh is like because everyone thinks YouTube 
it's like people used to think YouTube was cat videos, you know, and people used to think Netflix was, you know, DVDs in the mail. Like, look at where the fucking, where, where does the, like the money, comes well, from here's, creativity. Here's, here's, where here's is the, the creativity? Next, okay. The next thing that, well, there's, there's a I, debate. I don't right? know. That's, that's a, the debate I'm is, the debate is clear. So there's a couple of ones, places it can be. It can be Netflix. Sorry, not, uh, we already established that Netflix is already, an, you know, it's, 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 it's a transition phase, shall we say? Possibly, possibly, possibly. I don't know. It could change. Because you know what you know what Netflix has done is it adapted really well. It started off as a DVD place and figure out what's oh what's that? I was drawing from an old book. I love oh, it. Nice, beautiful. Nice. We know uh, new subscribers. By the way, if anyone wants to subscribe, Eric will send you that drawing. Uh, we would appreciate the subscription. From, uh, it's one month subscription. Go ahead and throw it in. Grand there. illusion from this book. Oh, that's uh, Eric um, von Straheim, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. All right. I just want to put, I just want to, like, we've discussed this before, but uh, but there has been, there was a movement, and the movement is still there, although it's much quieter than it was six or nine months ago, for the crypto world to be a, a location for you to to. I, I So I'm going to go and say, say this. I actually think what... Dan was just mentioning. I my personal take. It's not YouTube. It's, it's going to be. It's crypto. Right. Since I work for a company that does crypto, or at least you know we do metaverse stuff. I mm-hmm. because here's what I think the problem with YouTube is. And you know I read all sorts of newspapers. Um, as an independent, I kind of just like to get the perspective. I know that there. Um, demonetizing and all the other kind of trickery that YouTube does, it's going to be really hard for filmmakers. They're going to switch the, and and they're just going to screw over one filmmaker and say, well, actually we own a percentage. If you read page 3,673, they'll they'll fuck it up in the same way that they're going to fuck it up. Yeah, absolutely. You're a hundred percent right, Eric. I believe uh, what you're saying. Uh, um, Although, YouTube somehow has still didn't fuck it up as bad as Facebook did. Facebook fucked mm-hmm. up things really badly and they're paying for it dearly. YouTube kind of figured out a balance where they're able to make, to keep YouTube the, the most important uh, uh, content provider of everything, by the way, of everything. Right. Yeah. Bigger, if, bigger than Netflix, bigger than anything. Right. If, if YouTube is smart, they will not fuck with things. Right. If they're but dumb, they, they are will. because a lot right. of the artists they, they, they I... have fucked with a few things. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right, Eric. They have absolutely fucked with you. Think now, I want to talk about crypto real quick because I think you're right. The crypto is the right alternative. I just here. want to say one thing: Patreon. Yeah. A lot of the great painters that I follow on YouTube all left for Patreon because they were demonetized. Well, the, no. When I say YouTube, just to clarify, like what I mean by YouTube is that everyone, everyone who I follow on YouTube makes a lot of money. They make money through Patreon. They don't make any money on YouTube. They, they don't even try to make money on YouTube. Yeah. Like, okay. And so they, the mechanism. Should, should we be going on Patreon, by the way? Yes. Yeah, true. And should so, we like, basically stop with all this subscribing on Twitch and just go to Patreon? <laughs> like, the, this, is the, this is the deal, right? It's I like, mean, I, I, honestly, I'll ask my, our users, like our listeners right now, like, do you guys you know, want us to go on Patreon? And if you want to support us on Patreon and you'd feel better about that, 
I'm more than happy to start up a Patreon page. I haven't thought about, like, I have thought about it, but I haven't done it. Right. I'll start up as Patreon for us. And if that feels like you guys are giving more of your dollars directly to us rather than through Twitch or whatever else, I'm happy right. to do it. I mean, but the it, fact is, distribution platforms, Twitch is still great for streaming. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily well, this is great the, for monetization. So like you can you can replace everything I'm saying with say Twitch as well. Like it doesn't it, YouTube isn't the factor that matters. The thing that the YouTube okay. is is a platform. Then I stand corrected. No, YouTube is a platform that displays things. That's all yes. it does, right? And so the 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 future of filmmaking is for artists to make the things they want to make for the audience that wants to watch it, and no middlemen whatsoever, except for that you put it up on a platform for free for it to be seen and then you make all the money directly from the people who want to see your product and there's no fucking middlemen studio bullshit there's no need for it literally at all and we just right. haven't made the mental change to do anything else what okay so that's the that's the battle smart if the cinemas were very smart they'd cut deals with Patreon and YouTube filmmakers to say we'll stream digitally all your stuff. Patreon is a little percentage on, on, yeah. No, is it like the like as as long as you can get paid by the people that you service and the people like whatever Patreon Patreon as long as Patreon never cares what you make and has no influence over the content you make and they only want the grift, then they're great. If YouTube only it's just like we'll give you a free platform, we're not going to let you make any money, and we get all the ad money. That's great. That's a great deal. It's but, then, they, but then it, that, that's never going to happen because someone's going to want to make child pornography and put that up on Patreon to get money for it. So well, luckily, never, that is, luckily, that, that stuff, a, that, that's an illegal. Like, yeah, that's, 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 that's illegal. Ethics, yeah. <laughs> I understand <laughs> what I'm, you were say, saying, but like at some point, there's a line for everything. Well, and, like, I, and I, understand, someone, I understand there's always someone you got to pay in order to get the thing done. But like, right. the fact is, that the distance between the audience and the creatives is near as near to zero as it ever has been since caveman days. Yeah. And so NFTs, to, man, NFTs. Like, and, if, and if NFTs can uh, position themselves to be, this is how artists retain their rights and make sure they get paid. Like, yeah. because it is an object that I created that is valuable, then right. that's the way it's going to go. But whatever the, like, the ledger, only the right. ledger is the ledger is code. It is not subjective situation. Yes, now, exactly. Like no, so, you don't want other fucking people studios making any creative decisions at all. You want a, to own your artwork. On a side note, right on, on a side note, this is an important part because there's been huge news on the crypto world that I don't know if you guys know. In the last the merge, the merge happened. Yeah. Well, tonight. Well, like yeah, tonight it's happening. It's tonight that's happening, right? Yes. These. Do you know about this, Daniel? None. Okay. So uh, most NFTs, the majority of like 99% of NFTs are built on uh, the Ethereum platform, right? Yeah. Ethereum has been, uh, is way, is a, a fla uh, is a, is a platform that allows for many different kinds of, of blockchains uh, well beyond what Bitcoin can do. Bitcoin can only do money it can't do non-fungible tokens it can only do fungible tokens and there's a lot of layer two solutions for ethereum where a lot of other people build so other people on, were on building top. on top of ethereum to right. get layer twos to make 
different flexible things, right? right. Okay. And one of the things that the layer twos were doing was the problem, as you know, with all of uh, uh, crypto is that every time you want to add something to the blockchain, the way to do it was you need to do what's called a proof of work scenario where people were competing to uh, to solve a puzzle and whoever won got to put the block in there and got paid a small portion of the block or the fuel fees, right? Which was a huge amount of compute that for every block added to the blockchain, which is a huge amount of compute, mainly done through GPUs that added to it. So that was like, oh, it was like, how much does it cost me to add something to the blockchain? It was a lot of fuel, oh, literally gas fees, right? But it was, but it was literally a lot of actual electricity used to make that happen. And so people would go to places where the gas prices or electricity prices were cheap, like Mongolia, and they were mostly mostly coal-based places, right? And so Mongolia had huge, huge crypto farm. Yeah, their kilowatt hour was the cheapest in the world. But a lot of these guys uh, are also, there's really a smart group of guys who are using basically buying old um, uh, power plants in Canada and South America. And it, their power plants set up with, you know, a water that flows through it or next to it and generates right. water generation, uh, old plates, hydro, plants. and they right. hydro, and they use those uh, to, uh, the, to run the uh, GPUs. But ba most of the time, everyone was used, it was a big, it was a big outcry on like, oh, NFTs are destroying the planet, right? NFTs are destroying the planet. That was the big outcry that Mostly from people who have really no idea how it is. It's like, no, I heard they use so much electricity to destroy well, the planet. We can say that electricity use is destroying the planet. That's true. Right. Like, but uh, also, why we're picking on NFTs as opposed to play, people playing Xbox. I'm not because sure. crypto, yeah, you, can <laughs> add you, money, you can actually yeah, add it up. I mean, like each block was costing about 25 kilowatt hours uh, 20, you know, to do it, which is like your whole house. The amount of electricity your entire house uses for a whole day, right? to make each block out there. That's a lot of electricity, right? And if you look at Bitcoin, like like Bitcoin uses as much electricity of, as all of Argentina, right? So just that in itself. No, it's ridiculous. It's insane. Okay, yeah. right? So what happened is the merge. And what merge does is completely change the way that you actually add a block to the blockchain. And instead of actually uh, relying on proof of work, it relies on something called proof of stake. Stake. And what proof of stake means is instead of actually trying to solve a puzzle, you, because the solving the puzzle problem makes things so random that no one can hack the system. Right. That's the whole point. The whole point is making it solve a really complicated problem and everyone has to race to solve it. And whoever solves it gets it where you can't say, I am guaranteed to solve it. That's the encryption. You're solving an encryption problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so by solving it completely randomly, you guarantee that no one can have an actual control over it anymore. But mm -hmm. with proof of stake, what you do is instead of relying on uh, the randomness of solving a problem to guarantee authenticity, is every time you want to solve the problem, you actually take your own your own uh, 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 blocks on the blockchain meaning your money mm -hmm. and you stake them right so if your block is bad or is corrupt you lose all that money right 
and it's, you do and so basically you are you're you're putting uh, your collateral against your stake right mm -hmm. and right. it's a different way of thinking and he's like <laughs> oh well then someone just a bunch of money is like can no there is ways that proof of stake actually have been thought about for a very long time for a very by a lot of people but, i get little thing emails every week over my uh, money i earned on proof of stake right and so the amount of energy used by proof of stake versus proof of uh, work is 99.988% less energy. I know, That's... but I'll be honest with you. Someone who does stake, I'm kind of sad. I miss burning coal. And it's That's... like, man, it could have it been so, so nice. much better. We could have just fucking like, seen clouds in the air. Oh. Anyway. So there's a little bit the of that. The point that being that yeah. now people who are like crying like, crypto guys are destroying the planet that argument's gone yeah, and we was like well wait till proof of stake happens and i was like i'll i'll i'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you a I'll, lot I'll, of that I'll, yeah i'll see it when i when it, when it happens because it it was not happening for many years it took a long time to get it right right so we'll see if it actually works correct but it is happening tonight and that could change a lot of the perception of nfts and well this in, is the thing it's like i think that like NFTs, I think, are at, at, at the level that they're at now in terms of how, say, game studios are trying to use them and all this stuff. Like, that's a real shit show. Like, those are obviously designed to scam the dumb and make quick turnaround cash on useless things. Like, that's that. Like, right. when you look at like, but this is going to happen with any new thing. Like, the like the fucking used car salesman come in and then like, you know, poison the waters. And sure. that's why that's that's why it looks bad right now. Uh, like the thing I like, I'm still sort of agnostic to NFTs as a reality, but the, the thing that I, that gets talked about that I'm interested in is for, you know, when you create product, you get a percentage, you like, if you create a work of art, it is autumn as part of the nature of the art, it is going to pay you because it is yours. And once it gets out in the world, it you always you get a have percentage. That. You get a percentage of it. Like if they can so. make if they can make that happen in a real way for abstract things like writing screenplays. Making let me ask you this. Better, let me ask you this. I, uh, let me ask you this. I, thought, I was thinking about this in a, in a in a way that was interesting. If you're a really smart coder, and you're not necessarily a good artist, but you're a really smart coder, and you figured out a bunch of things that could work. What if you created a really smart AI art generator, mm -hmm. right? I, and I, then you took that art, AI art generator and you created a system that would scour the internet to find things of interest and make automatically make NFTs of all of the thing that you think uh, is going to get everyone's I, attention. I can't, a I robot cash machine that sends money a home robot all the time? machine that just makes art and NFTs and just right. does that. Yes. I, I saw this morning, uh, and I'm going to be very careful because I'm an NDA. I saw this morning at work uh, during our tech meeting, something somebody wrote that is of borders on what you are talking about chris that's exciting and that's i was like what and then i was internally and i'm not gonna internally like why would you develop for our company this is something that we need you know right. 
it, you know, if you went out on your own and quit your job, right? Right, right. It, it was a, so send that thing cool. out there. I was like, what? And we were all just like, okay, we're totally like, this is another one. This, but you know, there's some other people working on similar things, but that's right. where it's going. I just want to get back to one thing before I was cut off. That's what? You guys. I did not <laughs> cut you off. What I'm right. saying is when they say, and I've noticed this, people say, oh, the NFTs, the environment, all this bullshit, I truly feel like a majority of the wealthy or the world, I think they're tired of seeing nerds make a ton of money. You know, ever since Bill <laughs> Gates, there's been That's so many point. like dorks making money. And I think people, because it goes against everything in high school, you know? And now all of a sudden they're like, well, it ruins the environment. It's like, no, he's a smart guy well, making money. On. So well, I really do think people have trouble with uh, uh, the tech sector of people uh, really changing the world and making money. I, you may be right, Eric, but I also think it's just amount of massive misinformation because so many people like. No, but they believe the planets. misinformation. Like, do you know anything? They, like, like the uh, no, like they believe it off face value because they automatically don't like. They read dorky. the news that some they don't like dorky dudes. Oh, these nerds in their closets are ruining the world. That's basically they. There's you know they don't like them and they're pissed off because they're but really you don't rich. Like nerds either. Me? Yeah. Hey, nerds. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, the thing is, like most most people, really, I, know, I hate nerds. Most people I know who don't who are uh, uh, against NFTs are very nerdy. Are very, but they're a different flavor of nerd. Like they are, like I'm talking about the press and the way they just the, spin the rest of the world and country. Like that, because I think what you're talking about, yeah, like tech bros are not what like the people I know who are nerds would not identify themselves as tech bros. They don't. They do not like tech bros, right? Um, the people I know who don't like NFTs are artists who okay. don't so see the not value. Saying nerds, the point is, there's a group, the Silicon Valley style yeah. group, who basically have been dominant since Bill Gates. And Tech I think bros, a lot yeah. of people, yeah, a lot of people are sick of that. Yeah, and I think, I, think all, this I agree. With you. I'll, tell like, you, I'll tell you, having gone to NFTLA, mm -hmm. there were definitely a group of people there that are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like all you know, the MBAs and compared to the rest of the world, go ahead, Eric. Compared to the rest of the world and what people do for a living, there's a lot of unknown stuff. I I have shared my family is fairly intelligent and, and you know done well. I show them AI stuff and they're just like, I don't understand this. What is the reason? You know, they almost like they're borderline angry. It's like, okay, I'm just sharing AI generated art. I can explain more to you. Right. But there's a sense of like, what are these? What is this they're doing? Why didn't people just, you know, and it's just the whole world's like part of it. Is yeah, like this that. is, it is the, all these things. And like, I, like I said, like my, I don't have any, I don't have any feelings. I don't know enough about NFTs to feel strongly one way or the other. That's, a, that's where I'm at. Um, but I do know that the people that do feel strongly feel strongly in an ideological way that has nothing to do with uh, being convinced it's a good idea or not. Like, they don't like, like you're saying, like they don't like people like Elon Musk and anything that's in that sphere of operations, they're going to just say it's bad and they'll find a way to describe it so that it is bad in a way that you can't uh, fight against. Like say it's the, it's bad for the environment. Well, like I, I'm sure. Okay. It's bad for the environment. Like everything else is, 
because we use electricity that fucking burns coal that fucks everything up. So there's lots of things we could stop doing. If you want, if you're that concerned, yeah. <laughs> there's other things we can do. Don't take vacations. So, right. So like, the, like this is the, like, these are all ideological points of view that people are going to stick to regardless. Uh, and, and that's, and so I don't mean that as pro or, 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 or pro or con NFT. I don't have any, and I'm just going to get on that. But it's just like when people get like super crazy, passionate, angry about something, then it's usually that they're angry about um, a sort of a, a near spiritual concept as opposed to whether they think something is good or bad. Like yeah. they, it's something that's. Well, they don't understand do it as well. Well, that's well, that's also true, but they don't like, and this I mean this for everybody. Angry what they don't understand. Yeah, but this is true for everybody. This I have I have things that I'm ideological about that I am like that. About. I had so the I same issue when I was listen. I had I we were I was going through the freaking deep fakes art. Like I was on several panels about deep fakes last, mm. you know, just before the pandemic, where it was like, oh my god, it's going to completely disrupt the election. Everyone's going to have deep fakes of different politics. Well, okay, by the way, that didn't happen. But you know what happened? People just lied, and it turns out that was just as effective. Yeah, you like you don't have to fucking have a computer to convince people of bad yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now people just lied, and then they right. didn't need deep fakes to actually yeah, convince exactly. people. They just did the freaking QAnon Twitter feed was. Yeah, Donald, Donald, Donald Trump is a real fake, and they still bought it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's all it it's all good. Now I do I do want to relate back to so I actually did have a point to this where I want to get down to this NFT thing. And I was thinking about. Uh, you know, obviously this movie, right? Mm. Like what it means and him thinking about the old Hollywood, how he romanticizes the old Hollywood, which mm. by the way, he does, right? Absolutely. And yeah. the Hollywood that he romanticizes is the pre-1960s Hollywood, mm -hmm. right? Not yeah. not the 1970s Hollywood that we romanticize. Right. No, he's, he is very, very old school. In that, old in that school view. Hollywood, yeah. right? So he's romanticizing that and she is falling in the in the BS of the, the, the post she, she, Naomi Watts or mm -hmm. Camilla, not, not uh, Betty, Diane, Betty, Betty, slash Diane, Diane. Yeah. Betty slash Diane is falling into the trap of 1990s Hollywood, right? Yeah. That's her, that's her Hollywood. That, that is the problem. Hollywood. Yeah. She so, wants the dream, but the reality is, is right. taking it so, down. So right. now let's, now let's take that analysis and, you know, sorry, it's a long way around, but hopefully we'll get there. So what would that we feel, you know, the, the question I brought up was like, you know, does Lynch, is this a representation of how he sees Hollywood and how he feels, feels betrayed as well? I completely right? agree. I completely right. Think that's and true. so yeah. he's sitting there, trying to masturbate his way out of it and it never works right yeah whatever the situation is but so so what is the situation for him and like is is an nft situation working for him right I believe because he's, yeah he what was he's doing, doing is he's doing the youtube weather report <laughs> yeah like but i believe he is i think he is also doing nfts he's he's partnering up with i can't remember the artist but he's doing NFTs, some global NFT thing. Like he sees, he sees some value in it. Like he understands that. And okay. the, and so like he's, cause his vision of how to make things, like I, I completely agree with this vision, which is like, you should have complete artistic control of what you're making. Like that's it. And don't ever, uh, like the few times that he has dealt with studios have been traumatic disappointments for him. And so he learned to just make shit himself, develop his own fans, 
service those fans. They want the stuff. He sells them the stuff virtually directly now. Right. And yeah, so right. it makes, it makes sense to him like NFTs and whatnot. Like that's if, if they provide the ownership that as advertised, right. Then I can, I'm not surprised he's interested in them because that is what he's always been like. He's like, I need to, I need to have total control over what happens with my art, it's my decisions. That's it. And, uh, and there's not going to be any, no one can get in the way to say that it's going to be different or hold something over to me to make me do something else. So if that's, right. if that's, if that is what NFTs are offering, then that's why he's involved. In right. Like, uh, he has a, he has a romance of old Hollywood because even though old Hollywood was like that romance is a, is a, like the old Hollywood was not like old Hollywood said it is yeah, a giant here's, lie. Here's what I'm but, the fl- but the flavor of it that he fell in love with is what I he wants th- to replicate himself. He, it, I think when he did that thing that I pointed out earlier of, of the Edward Hopper yeah. painting, it is the mood and the feeling he got from old films. So it's not the studio system. I, from my take is that it is the mood and the, the feeling he gave me, it gave him mm-hmm. over the years that this kind of medium can create this enchantment. It's the so movie, forth. like it's, it's the, the movie itself. Not yeah. it's the it's a celluloid frame. Yeah, as a frame. That's the dream. Tyson, that's the dream. Not and the girl sitting it matching that. Um. Um. That that's what it is. So it's I, I don't 100%. think it's a studio system. It's the what the way the imagery and I resonate with a lot of that stuff coming just as a painter i just i love the imagery uh um a lot more sometimes and um it's just that i find it uh i could see where he he finds that and falls in love with that it makes him feel like something and i really think i I pulled it out of my behind with the hopper but i i totally think because i thought i was like oh my god that's hopper because i always felt as a philadelphian he had this kind of Aikens, kind of. Mm-hmm. He went to Philadelphia Academy of Fine Art. Right. Um, I think he was at the same time this painter I knew in New York, who's a great painter. I have one of his pieces, Vincent Desiderio, and he. Um, yeah, so I think it's the it's the image and what Absolutely. it represents to yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, well, like that's that that is. I think one hundred percent right. And I feel like the like the, the basically the argument boils down to like. There is this beautiful thing, like in that painting, in the Hopper painting, there's a beautiful thing happening on a screen in the next room. There's a dream happening, right? That this woman clearly uh, wants to be a part of. She's present nearby, but she can't directly experience because she's not in the same room. She's in out in the reality hallway, right? Well, she, well let's say she's reality. She's, and that's the thing. Those paintings are not reality, but they bring, and some people try to live that as a reality but it doesn't yeah. work and so like for lynch like the business i mean like it's like people talk about the art world the same way it's like the art the business of art like art is wonderful the business of art is terrible like the like the, yeah it's like it's, it's a fucking awful disaster right and the same is true for hollywood and the thing is, is that i think that lynch recognizes this now as the US, he basically built it himself is that uh, the artist now has more direct control over what they do and can deliver it to an audience that loves it without any influence on him from other cowboys, right? 
Yeah. That's all right there. That's ready, true, though. That's ready true. to happen. Like this right? fucking guy with an accent, this yeah. Texan this, cowboy. You know, dude, no one comes in and gets the fucking give bully. Me fun in me for my... Now, right. it'd be interesting to know who produced these films over the year and if any of them were Southern, because it's I feel like there was a personal jab as cowboy. <laughs> right, the know, cowboy. With, and right. those big hats were from the films or or like yeah, if true. you were a singer or something, you had those yeah. big hats. Yeah, the big hat. The big hat. But yeah, this is the thing, dude. It's you like said it. it was like Tom Mix band. It's Tom Mix, yeah, exactly. And so like the thing that the thing for Lynch, um, you know, oh. like he good. Sorry, I think the hat is for those guys that do those horse shows. Mm-hmm. before the bucking rodeo but they yeah, yeah. stand on the horse and yep. they'll you know the showman and like, yeah, big, Tom, stunt. yeah. big stunts yeah, stuff. The big yeah. Stunts, yeah but yeah like so i think that like lynch is in like lynch has been doing this himself because he used his name to build an audience that, that he, now, he now directly communicates with he uses digital technology to keep the cost down he likes it more he generates material that basically goes straight through to the audience that he has created for himself and there's no more interference. And that is true that that is available to be true for every single filmmaker on the earth right now. The only thing that stops us is because we have been so trained to think in the Hollywood studio system way that it doesn't occur to us that we don't have to act like that. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like, you know, like it's like if, uh, it's like the, uh, you know, if you, it's like the, in the what do you call it? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. It's like people that get out of prison don't know how to live outside of prison. That's right. You know, and you have all these artists. You're just like, but you have total access to millions of people instantaneously for free. You can do anything you want. Why, why is this not happening? And they're like, no, but you have to go pitch stuff and go to the places. You do not. But keep, you know, keep on going. <laughs> do what you're doing man that's fine but that's we are whipped dogs we are creatively whipped dogs and like the next generation is not going to be that way they're like i want to make stuff and there's free ways to get it out there so that's what i'm gonna do i agree chris what do you think well you guys are answering you guys are going down the path of what i wanted to go down so i didn't interrupt you guys and let you go with that whole oh hi chris welcome back yeah, no, I mean, it's exactly what I want to talk about is like, what is what is he doing now? The 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 creative group that's truly embraced this is ironically music industry. The music industry is seeing a lot more value in NFTs. And that's why people like Snoop Dogg and right. all those guys are thinking about the music industry because they're tired of only getting pennies yeah. on Spotify. Right. right. So like, let, let's just, you know, instead of getting, you know a quarter of, you know, uh, a 0.01 cent for every song that someone plays of mine on Spotify. Let's finger around. I was like, now Spotify, listen, they have a business model that they're giving all this music out for a specific amount of money. They can't charge people $200 a month to make people, you know, to, to right. for their business model to work. Right. So, yeah. So that's they're they're offering what the audience is willing to pay, which mm-hmm. the audience is paying, right? And then making that happen. So that's the 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 problem. It's like people don't buy albums anymore because it doesn't work. That buying a physical album of music doesn't work, but the NFTs is something that can work. Mm-hmm. So you keep the NFTs as an ability for your fans to say, "I want to own part of this." 
Right. I want to be, I actually want to feel like I own part of the, that, that, that process. And that they feel is, is a better volume. Anyway, listen, we're, we're close to our three hour mark. This was good. I didn't know we were going to go down this line, but I thought it was a good, <laughs> hey. good way to Big go. shout out to Brian. To Brian? Brian. He's listening. Okay. okay shout out. I shout out it. to Brian. <laughs> yo, yo. Oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> That's nice. Hello, Brian. Thank you. Yo, yo. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I work with him. He's kind of my boss, but he's awesome. And uh, he loves movies too. So we should Excellent. get him on as a guest. Devil Fast, sure. thanks for coming by. Hey, Fantastic. Hey, and uh, he still feels bad for us that we saw communion. I will, right. I'll nev- I will never live that down. Because he saw it and he's like, oh my God, you were stuck with that? <laughs> he's looking at me going, like, you're friends with that guy? That's Brian ridiculous. said, uh, uh, Eric uh, promised to show some skin. skin. We're working Next on it. Week. We're working on it. We're working on it. We're working on it. Okay. But Brian, if you'd like to actually to subscribe to us on Twitch, you don't have to do this, but, or whatever, but we'd love to have you on. Maybe we can have you for a watch party. If you have a really cheesy movie that you want to do for a watch party. He's got some, he is subscribed. Thank you. You are subscribed. Okay, great. Thank you. And he is. And then he should be on our discord, Brian, as well. And I don't know if you're on our discord or not. We'll get him on the discord. Get him on the discord. Then no, we could, we also have people come in. Yeah. Like as Chris saying, come in and host a co-host with us for uh, watch parties. So get a movie. He's also the gentleman that gave me that name. I gave to you earlier, Dan. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yes. Of that place. Yes. That is a very excellent place. Very Here's our link to our Discord, just so you know, so you can yep. go there on you our go. Discord. Join it. Nice. Lots of fun stuff that we discuss on Discord. Always Beautiful. a good thing. Uh, <laughs> a great so place, says Devil Fast. Yes, it is. Cool. All uh, right. So cool. So yeah, definitely join. And then, and then uh, we'll give you access to the subscribers only lounge as well, so you guys can. <laughs> bow, bow. Yeah, and that, that good stuff happens. That's correct. Uh, yeah. So it'll be cool. Yay! Look, he's already on our Discord. Done. Beautiful. Done. Bam. Thank you. Just make sure that you, you know. Just go to the rules section, check on that, and then uh, Fruity Pebbles will take care of you from there and make sure you get all the things you need. Uh, awesome. Awesome. awesome and awesome. Fruity Pebbles is his daughter who does the monitoring. So if you're going to make snarky adult jokes uh, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. did, <laughs> make sure that you remember Don't tell jokes that like Eric. a sixteen-year-old <laughs> is monitoring. Because I was like, oh. <laughs> Yes, that's but she does a great here. job. I got to tell you, she does a great my job. My daughter though. found out because she told my daughter, and she's like, "I don't know what to do about this." I made some joke about somebody we had a discussion with, <laughs> and it was, it was the next day. And I said, "Oh, that person's been sexting me all night. I don't know what to do. I've been kind of rolling with it, but I got to put my foot down and stop this." But and because you have my to, daughter was like, "Who is that was... person?" Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, no!" I was joking. Yeah, you're always joking, though. I no, I'm not. That. I'm being very serious. So you're joking. I'm serious. Yeah. Now we don't know. What do you mean? There's no mask. This is me. This is it. This, this is, is me. It. Come on. Real deal. The real Come deal. Come on, Nikki. Get your boots. Come on. Let's go hunting. <laughs> That's right. See, this, you got to throw in this a deer this. hunter out of nowhere. All this right. This. <laughs> Welcome to Martini Giant. Uh, all right, guys. This has been great. Mulholland Drive, a true pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to share that experience of Fruit Toothing. Think about it, though, both of you. Is there a film that you have had in the back of your mind if you always wanted to watch but never got to seeing? Mm. That's the theme that we're doing. Yep, that's uh, right. Go dig something up. And we'll there. get Brian as a guest to watch a really bad film as oh, a watch dude, party. If we, if we can come up to the level of uh, Breaker Breaker, then we are on top. That's Breaker like Breaker great, was a pretty good... One of the great trucker truck films. Truckerless Truck Films presents... <laughs> 
I, I, I was, I'm, I've got so much on my plate, but doing the posters for the Truckerless Truck Film Festival, oh, our first Sorry. annual, and also our first annual, I have a poster design for uh, our first annual uh, Day for Night Film Festival. Oh, yeah. All oh, the best yeah. day for night shots in one night. That's it. Nice. A full day one, of night one, shots. A full night of day for night. It's just clips from great, like, guns of Navarone and everything. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. And then we'll have some guy from, like, Kodak Labs in the 80s come and give a lecture. Oh, dude. Yeah, especially oh, in those days. You know what? You know what? Actually, I could. Joel Heineck. Some of the old color timers that still are been around, they work at Photochem. They've, they've been working for like 50 yeah. years, years. They know the, how to make a good day for night color. Like they know the timing to make a good, good day for night. We should do that, like recipe night. <laughs> and then sell those recipes as NFTs. <gasps> <laughs> there you go. See? That's it. Oh and God. most people would buy them, but like, I don't know what, what is what is it? Lab. But it's like, man, you see like those, uh, like uh, you've seen the renowned Westerns, right? All the, uh, all those, like the tall tea and all that stuff. Like yes. they did, uh, they did my favorite day for night at all of, of all time, which is like, it's just that they shot in broad fucking daylight and, uh, and, and pulled the film so hard that it's basically only highlights. <laughs> it's yeah. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing looking. They get these the like, best too. There's a period like the film Niagara. There's mm -hmm. a period where Technicolor, if you guys don't know the film Niagara, it's such a cool looking film. Mm -hmm. But there's a like 53, 54, 55, 57, 58. There's like the color and the night shots were so oh, cool. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's what also inspires David Lynch. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's so dreamy. It's really wonderful. And actually, uh, I just read uh, uh, Jordan Peele when he's making Nope. Nope has a lot of night scenes that are really love beautifully, beautifully shot. And it turns out they're doing a new day for night process, um, which is essentially they're because they're shooting broad daylight and like middle middle of the afternoon, uh, and then they're shooting simultaneously with color and infrared, and then they yes. merge merge these two so that you're picking up the details that you would normally pick up in moonlight, uh, and and colorizing them with the color. With the Have color. you seen people using infrared film? Oh, it's great. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's really uh, I do. I do. What, my first experience of seeing, like, something looks weird, and I realized it was day for night, was when I watched very early, like, I was probably, like, seven. I watched I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's a good, that's a good movie. That's actually a good movie. That's not yeah. even a silly movie. That's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. yeah. There's some good, there's some day for night in that action, boy. No doubt. Yeah, there's some good day for night there, right? And some Michael Landon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some Mike, and some Michael Landon. And this is very then we can have Michael the Michael Landon. Landon Day for Night Film Festival. <laughs> the Michael right. Landon Day for Night. All the best of Michael Landon specific. and Day for Night in one night. So come and join that, us. That, that is like a nice little, uh, 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 you know. That would work. I'm telling yeah. you, these are ideas that people would pay a lot of money for, That's it. I think. Rated L for so, gratuitous scenes of Landon. That's right. <laughs> the Landon right. Festival. The Landon Festival. The Landon yes. Day for Night Festival. Day for Night. That's nice. it. I love it. At the Holiday Inn in Tempe, Arizona. So join us. <laughs> That's a great holiday inn, though. It is actually very good. And they got a great yeah. screening room. Yes. Yeah. Good and breakfast. their sweet rolls are delicious. Sweet uh, rolls. Yeah, exactly. What? No jelly roll? Tempe. Tempe. What movie is that from, Dan? Jelly roll? Don't know. What? No jelly rolls? I know I know that. I'm embarrassed I don't know. Touch it. of evil. 
Oh, shit, I am embarrassed. My God. You are, should am, be embarrassed. I am very embarrassed. That's like Stone a framed. We should do a framed where it's just a quote. Oh, man, that's that's brutal that I lost on that one. I should have thought harder. Just that's find sad. girl. No, love touch gets. feel. Love touch feel. Okay. Jelly roll. Chris has got to go. I don't. And have I've to go. Gotta, but I, I do have... want to stop the podcast because I have <laughs> things to do. But, so why? Uh, I got to go back to work. So, yes, let's um, let's. Let's wrap it up. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining us. That was on fun. A, I think we should Thursday. do the weekly. By the way, by the way, yeah, nice. for a Thursday, we still <laughs> Thanks everybody in chat. Thanks everybody who's listening. That's why amazing. Don't we start, why don't we start doing a weekly one too, where it's totally different, where we can actually work and do it. I can work. I have been working and doing this. <laughs> Absolutely. Chris? I can do this every day. I'll think about it. Yeah, no, like a weekly podcast. Or like, you know, on a Thursday night and then we do a Saturday night big The blitz. problem is my Pop work is mostly answering emails and I can't podcast yeah, can't and answer emails at the That's same right. time. Yes, right. you can. Yeah. No, no. I can have Eric and Dan like, you know, painting and chatting yeah. podcasts and I'll just post it on the side. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. Okay. There we go. I'm just blabbering. I mean, totally we, we, we happy to do that. And all the money we make <laughs> we, for the Day for Night Film Festival Dan and I might share some of it. That's it. Just saying, you know. That me and Michael still Landon a WIP. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds fabulous. Well, excellent. Thank you uh, very much, everybody in chat. That was absolutely awesome. That and, was awesome. Uh, and uh, we will be back on track after the next two weeks because that uh, yeah. will be away. Two weeks, um, and then we uh, pro promise I will I will make it. Uh, I will add more redundancy into the system so that in case I'm away, the podcast can still happen. But, uh, we <laughs> will right. work on that. Uh, unfortunately, just a lot of stuff going on right now. But yeah. excited! But we we are we are working, man. I'm telling you, Martini Giant is 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 on a path to becoming something even bigger than a podcast. So I'm excited about that. It's grand. Well. You'll see grand. Many things. Many many things. Right. All right, you guys ready for this? I'm ready, baby. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.